You're listening to the Madcast Media Network. Madcastmedia.com. Today's episode is brought to you by the best store in the universe. Thousands of shirts, but not really. Shop now and support the show at MaddoxRules.com. Welcome to the best debate in the universe. Every debate in the universe from armrest hogs to gay frogs. With over 4 million downloads, I'm your host, Maddox. With me is the rear admiral of tangents, Ron Babcock. Thank you. And moderator in training, Dustin Sussman. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. Guys, amazing show this week. We're going to be debating whether or not comedy has to be funny. Okay. Seems like one of those things where the answer's obvious, but it's not until you listen to the debate, shitheads, that you'll make up your mind because we're very fucking persuasive. And with us this week is a second-time guest, Dustin Sussman, writer-director. Dustin, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, guys. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Maddox. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Uh, so, Dustin, last time you came in, you were promoting your movie, your documentary that you Correct. produced, right? Yep. Called Oh, Rick. Correct. Right. Uh, yeah, it takes place, you know, as per kind of what we're talking about today, it takes place a uh, large part of it at the Comedy Cellar in New York City, about a mainstay uh, MC over there called Rick Chrome, and uh, it's sort of def- redefining success through his eyes and his filter. Um, he's made a living in show business for 40 years, didn't necessarily make it, make it per se, but... Well, um, made his rent. Yeah, exactly. Being yeah. able to actually make a living doing it, and uh, it's been interesting. We don't, you know, won't get all into it, but uh, yeah, like Louie was in the movie and stuff, so it's been kind of an interesting ride, an interesting experience because the comedy seller in that sort of world is. Uh, there's obviously other comics in it, like Sarah Silverman, Ray Romano, John, you know, John Stewart yeah, and such. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I was here last time we were debating or if the Beatles were overrated. That's or That's right. That was one of the most contentious debates we've ever had on the show. So many people I was weighed in. Gone. On it. I think I was gone that week. You were gone that yeah. week yeah how did i do i thought I, I i thought i did okay you did fine but whatever side you argued uh was wrong because it was against me right uh, right so. exactly exactly obviously. <laughs> i think you know what though i think most people sided with you because you were arguing that they weren't overrated the beatles right but i think the base of it was like even an example of like helter skelter influencing metal it's like you could yeah make those are you know you could kind of make those arguments is there any way for people to watch your movie now or is it still looking for a home no it's still looking for a home like i said it's sort of uh again not getting full on into it yet but it's been kind of a you know roller coaster of such it's still in the festival circuit you can check out the trailer online it's it's oh rick but uh, i'm hoping in the next like month or so it'll be on you know it'll be digitally streaming is it is, uh, is oh rick does it have a punctuation on the end of it yes it's, it's like, an exclamation oh, point it's oh, an exclamation so, point. oh rick yeah 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 rick. Yeah, yeah. yeah with an exclamation point and there's a story behind the story which i was talking to dustin before the show started and i sincerely hope you're able to tell the story because it is yeah. fascinating you guys Sometimes in the process of making art, making movies, making like whatever it is, there is sometimes a story that's just as interesting, if not more so, than the art you're actually creating. And I hope that you know you're able to tell that story someday, which I think you 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 probably will be in the. It's near gotta future. happen, yeah. I mean, even yeah. this pa- these past weeks of uh, seeing what happened, you know, these, these past couple of weeks with with Louis and just kind of seeing it all kind of happen again. Um, yeah, I've just been kind of in a weird, unique position. Obviously, I'm kind of a nobody, so it's you know nobody really knows who I am. So part of it is uh, trying to figure out maybe yet, you know, just kind of trying to get my story out there because it has been, you know, from as being a producer, I felt like I hit grand slams, you know, of of what I was able to do. It's just as far as the industry is concerned, uh, it just created so many roadblocks for me um, that, yeah, I hope. uh, Do you guys want to hear a tangent? Sure. You know what, Ron? Yeah, I'm in the mood for a tangent. What do you got for us? This is a fun tangent. I think people are really going to enjoy this. I was at a party, talked to a guy, went, what do you do for a living, right? He edits trailers. 
movie trailers. And I was like, you know, I've always wondered how come like some movie trailers, like there are things in the trailers that aren't in the actual movie. Yeah. And aren't he's, in the trailer. Like, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they're yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I can't wait. And then I watched the movie. I'm like, where was that like one part? And he's like, oh yeah. So you want to know what happened? And I'm like, yeah, because he was talking. He was talking about uh, he worked on Justice League. I guess so. The trailer editors get the dailies as they come in, and so they'll be building the trailer as the movie because the trailer is like it's like a thumbnail video on YouTube. Like it determines everything. Like so much fucking notes and works goes into the trailer. Yeah. It just determines whether or not this movie's going to work. And so they're building the movie. Uh, they're building the trailer before the movie comes out. So they'll get the perfect trailer and they're like, good to go. And that'll be way before the movie is actually totally finished and done. It'll be like a scene that has the title in, like somebody actually says the title, yeah. you know what I mean? And that'll be in the trailer, but it'll never. And then, end so they the movie. go through all their testing with the movie and shit will get cut out. And he's like, that's why there's all these funny parts in the Justice League trailer that didn't make it in the final movie because of network notes or whatever. And he went so, and he's like, if people want to see that version of the movie, he's like, we would need like another like fifteen million dollars because yeah. all those shots like didn't get effects put on it. I was gonna say right. color corrected. So it's like whatever. you'd be yeah, watching yeah. a movie, and it would just like all of a sudden the dude would have a mustache, and then like the green screens behind him, like yeah. like it would just it wouldn't fucking work. So well, it's a crazy schedule too for for production because a lot of times you have to produce the trailers so that it's delivered at the same time as the finished product, but you're trying to finish the product at the same time that you're trying to deliver the trailers. So now, wasn't that a fun tangent? <laughs> yeah, that was a fun tangent. Thank, Thank you, you Ron. You know solid. what, Ron? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's check tangent. the chat room. Oh, tangent. my God. Look, Ron, that was the greatest tangent ever. Yeah. Crazy that someone wrote that. <laughs> Crazy. It just like flew off screen. We yeah, I know. No, no. It couldn't was, get the name of the person who said that. Yeah, but it was there. I trust that it was there. And I, and I should mention, guys, if you guys are listening at home on Saturdays, we do these shows live, so you can tune in live. And sometimes we may be doing them during, the, during weeknights at some point. I'll announce those in the future. But if you guys have any super chats in the chat room, thank you guys for the support. But we should talk about the debate this week, which is, does comedy have to be funny? And before we begin, I want to hear everyone's buzzer. Here's what mine sounds like. Dustin, let's hear yours. Trigger. And Ron. There it is. If you hear a buzzer from anyone during this debate, that means someone is disagreeing with someone else or we're just chiming in with an interjection. But before we start this debate, I want to give us the setup because, Dustin, you sent me this article from Vulture.com, and it's called... How funny does comedy need to be? So it's kind of like a, a an interesting philosophical essay about the shift in comedy. And Ron, I'd love to get your feedback and, and opinions on this too, your insight, because you run in the stand-up circuit, right? Yeah. So here's what I want to I, – I brought this paragraph. I think, I think it kind of summarizes the point of this article. Like post-rock, post-comedy uses the elements of comedy, be it stand-up, sitcom, or film, but without the goal of creating the traditional comedic result, laughter. Instead, focusing on tone, emotional impact, storytelling, and formal experimentation. The goal of being funny is optional for some or for the entirety of the piece. This is not the same as comedians making dramas or becoming serious actors like we've seen in past generations. These pieces are comedies structurally. Now, there's uh, somebody they, they talk about named Drew Michael, and you kind of talked about this, yeah. Dustin. Who is Drew Michael, and what, why is this? Uh, why is he t- being so? He's about a stand-up here? comic again. I don't know a, a, a ton about him, but uh, yeah, he's a, I, th- I believe a New York stand-up comic, or he might be West Coast anyway. But Gerard Carmichael uh, he just produced his HBO special. He produced his HBO special, and basically, uh, he, there was no audience. There was no audience for the special itself, which is obviously a pretty revol- not revol. I don't want to use the term revolutionary, but it's definitely a change from what the yeah, you know what the standard it. has been. Um, so even just that in itself is an interesting. Um, so he did a stand-up special with no audience. What's the point? 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I don't, you know, even myself watching it initially, it's tough because I think your palate is used to well, there, there set is up audience. punchline. It's just not, there wasn't an audience there, but there's obviously an audience for his special. There was no live audience. I, I, I feel like I've seen shows like that where they don't pump in, uh, you know, like the live studio audience laughter or things like that. Like it's there, but I don't hear it. And it's really unsettling because we're so used to it. We're so there used to, there you know. is a live show in Atlanta. I think because um, Ian Robertson or, or there, there's a, a I've never done the show, but it's basically where comics will put on. Um, I was just going to bring this up. Yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. put on I produced, like a, I produce one of those for Comedy Central. Yeah, well, you, you tell it then since you produce it. Well, you know basically what it is, is um they will do stand up from a different room or a different place basically with a live audience and there's a screen in front of them so they don't they have they have literally right. have headphones on so they they don't hear they don't hear any of the laughter like performing in a sensory deprivation right. unit like yeah. you know and it's just it must be the weirdest thing because part of it is like you know i always equate stand-up comedy to surfing because every wave is different you could you could try to surf every you know each wave the same way it's never gonna be the same same thing as an audience so it's weird, you know, it's interesting to me as a performer where a lot of it you are kind of surfing it and improving based on how the audience is reacting. So something like this with Drew Michael, it's just interesting to me that as a performer, yeah, how do you I don't know, how do you make that work? It's I mean, it's interesting. I, I always appreciate when people are like the Raptors testing the f- fence, you know, just kind of pushing the art form to its boundaries, seeing like what is capable and part of pushing the envelope is going past it going too far and realizing oh shit that didn't work but you don't know where those extremes are unless you're trying to find them well okay that's an interesting argument to make that this guy's kind of like a a comedy scientist uh but it says here in this uh, vulture article excuse me it says here in this vulture article drew michael might be the clearest example as it used the elements of stand-up but removed the audience and in turn its direct relationship to funniness However, there are plenty more. There are sometimes funny lines and characters on Atlanta, for example, but more often than not, the comedy is tonal. Now, Dustin, what is your argument this week? Which side of the debate are you going to take? Does comedy have to be funny? <laughs> and this is, I do believe that I'm taking the harder, you know, personally, Maddox, the harder of the two, you know, where I'm going to, I'm going to try to defend it. You know, I'm going to try to defend uh, more from the base of that it's it's comedy evolving where you know over the last few years with netflix the palette has changed where maybe some of us we come from more of the old school mentality of what i consider you know what we would probably consider real comedy where your average comedy fan wasn't necessarily into comedy until the last number of years where these specials on netflix um have really kind of you know come to fruition and come hit like a zeitgeist level where i don't I, I, I still believe that comedy was kind of more of a niche thing, but now it's so popular that sometimes it's like you, it's kind of out of your hands, you know what I mean? In terms of how, how it's going to evolve. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to argue that, um, that yeah, that, that it, it's okay for these things to, to change and evolve. So Dustin, uh, I got to do one of these because, uh, <laughs> incorrect, shitty, shitty argument right out the gates. Cause again, I disagree with it. And uh, by definition, it makes it shitty. So, um, yes, comedy has to be funny. Otherwise, it's not comedy. Mm-hmm. When we start to blur the lines of dramas and comedies or dramedies or whatever, guys, pick one. Um, if, if it's equal parts both, I'm going to say it's not. It's not a comedy. And a good example I like to think of is, is Schenectady, New York. The Who's the guy? Uh, Kaufman. Uh, Charles. 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 Charles Kauf- Charlie Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Charlie Kaufman. Brilliant screenwriter. Brilliant writer. Um, he made this movie, and he was tasked with doing a horror movie. And he thought, well, what's scary to me? 
Well, what what's scary to him are things that are out of human control that affect us all. Things like cancer and like kidney disease and and horrible ailments that you can't really control. And you watch this movie where his life slowly spins out of control, and it's horrible and tragic and depressing by the end of it. But the first half of the movie is funnier than most comedies I've seen. Mm-hmm. It's so well done, and there's a lot of tonally you know funny elements. There are comedic. Relief, there's comedic relief and there's uh, you know there's there's comedic elements but I wouldn't call that movie a comedy well I do agree with you there that it's you know I was just talking to another comedian about this recently where you know there's a lot of dramas like even like Scarface like there are some really funny things in Scarface sure. but you wouldn't walk you know you, you don't walk away from it. like Goodfellas there are some hilarious moments you know in Goodfellas but you wouldn't necessarily you know call that a comedy but I think that's sort of what's happening now in terms of our palette of you know kind of how we do things but I feel like with comedy though it, it we do toe the line of the themes that people talk about in stand-up, right? Are these, you know, talking about these these big, you know, subjects. Um, obviously, the Hannah Gatsby, Nante special, you know, made these huge waves recently. Well, who, who, explain that. Who is Hannah Gatsby and what? Hannah what? Gatsby, I believe she's the Australian female comic who, uh, yeah, she made waves recently of, of her special where uh, she's, she's gay and... Part of it was, yeah, you know, talking about that she did want to be self-deprecating. I mean, she was saying basically she was going to quit. You know, this is going to be her last special, you know. Right. Um, and to be honest, I think it kind of came out of it being more of a TED, you know, felt like more of a TED talk than a stand-up comedy special. Yeah, that's what people were saying. Right. Which I have to say this out of all the things we're arguing, her, that part of it for me, I can't personally get down with that, um, especially from the self-deprecating standpoint, because I do believe that the best comedy comes from that, you know? Um, but it did make waves in terms of, again, I just feel like the palette is, is changing out there. And, um, isn't it really up to audiences? Isn't it really their choice? You know? Um, and it's definitely the most talked about special. Again, it's not my, you know, cup of tea personally, but look at, you know, look at the effect it's having. Okay, Dustin, this is a really interesting and important point. Okay. Isn't it up to the audiences? Yes. Absolutely. It is up to the audience. So if you tell a joke, right, and nobody laughs, it bombs, essentially, is it is it funny? Well, by definition, I would argue, no, it is not, right? Because nobody laughed. And um, that night, well, you could say the same thing about Andy Kaufman. I'm just when he started, you know, people not understanding, right? Uh, you know, because there are, you know, I heard stories about Larry David and, you know, Mark Marin earlier in their career, you know, it was just like yelling at the audience and, sure. you know, people would get up and leave. But, you know, at the time it's, they might've seemed nuts then, but, you know. Right. But that's like, you know, so, so I wouldn't call that necessarily comedy until, until it's gotten to the point where it's established enough that people recognize it as comedy. So, so for example, when an artist begins his or her art and they're learning Every little piece of shit they put on canvas is an art. It's just a practice. It's a sketch. It's whatever you're you're doing to chisel your piece of art that eventually people will recognize as art. So the the thing with Andy Kaufman is he had a very clear and very strong intent, and he had that intent all throughout his career. And it was only until after the curtain was was uh, pulled back a little bit and people peeked behind and realized, oh, this is there is some intent behind it. The example I like to give is with modern day trolling. Because And this is an article I've started writing a while ago. I haven't finished it. I'll probably make a video about this at some point. But everybody uses the word troll as kind of a shield, as kind of like a, uh, ha-ha, just kidding, I, I got you. It's like, no, no, you're using that word after the fact because you got called out for saying something unfunny and heinous. 
It's not funny. You're not, your intent wasn't to be funny. Your intent was to be cruel and to hurt people. And it's only after the fact, right? So what evidence is there when somebody says something horrible? Because for the, the example I want to give is Pogo. There is a musician on YouTube named Pogo. Um, and he has his, the name of his channel is, is called Fagatron. And someone sat down with an interview uh, recently with Pogo and they said, why is your channel called Fagatron? And he, and he um, actually, this was a year and a half ago. In this interview, he said, it's because I hate gay people. I think that they are uh, abhorrent, they're terrible people, and he fist-bumped the the Pulse nightclub massacre. Well, finally, this this video came out of him talking about this, and everybody kind of gave him this huge backlash, and of course, he came out, and his defense was, oh, I was trolling, I was just joking, it's not, I'm actually bisexual. So it's hard to tell, if you don't have a body of work, whether or not there's that was your intent was to was to quote troll or to try to be humorous or to try to be edgy and shocking and i would argue this if your goal is to try to be edgy and shocking and use the n word in comedy oh cool wow you're so fucking edgy you have to have earned it you have to have a body of work that demonstrates to you that that is your intent picasso is a great example picasso when he was a child mastered realism before he moved on to surrealism before he moved on to Impressionism, any of those forms that Picasso experimented with, you know he has a body of work to support his talent and skill. So people can say, okay, Picasso's clearly talented. This is a, an artistic and aesthetic choice rather than an inability or lack of talent. And that's the problem today with most comedians and people who are trying to, quote, tell edgy humor and jokes and things like that. If you can't quite tell, you're not good at it and you might not be it. Trigger. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of comedic timing, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's interesting because I feel the same way you could say, like you were saying, you know, even something about music, right? Yeah. Is the internet, I, I'm sorry, it's like I worked for uh, a website called iFilm, which was like the first. Uh, I remember, I remember, I remember iPhone. having yeah. Yeah. So, iFilm. So my, my street cred on video content on the internet goes deep. And uh, in that respect, you know, there's I things. I feel motherfuckers. I know. I feel, son. Uh, no, but in that respect, it's like there's so many things that have changed where I hate to even say this, but it's talent. The, the definition of talent, as far as the internet concern, is concerned, that's totally up for debate on what's talent and what's, you know, because for me, coming from more of an old school mentality, you know, if I see somebody like, who's a good example, like, I bring it up, but somebody like Nicki Minaj. Personally, I don't think she's talented at all in terms of somebody maybe like a Whitney Houston or <laughs> um, somebody that I can see, you know, that really made their bones, exactly what you're talking about, that, you know, if it's Aretha Franklin coming up through the church and whatever, and, you know, evolving into the artist that she is. The thing is now with the internet, I, I, I feel like it's totally up for debate, especially based on the fact that the audience is the one, you know, they control, you know, they control that at the end of the day. And I actually think they're kind of, and again, I don't necessarily agree with it, but they are sort of redefining comedy. They're define, they're redefining what they think is funny and interesting. I mean, I see videos, even even on Instagram it, it, as, as a platform for comedy, everything lives in like four bars, you know what I mean? So it could just be like a quick Instagram video and that could be to somebody, just that little thing could get a million views on something just very short and sweet that, you know, internet comics really drive me crazy personally, where they'll kind of, they take like a set up punchline joke. That's like 50 years old where it's like, what if, what if guys acted like women when they went out on the, you know, out on the Holy town? Holy shit. What if they did though? Exactly. <laughs> I know for real. But in that respect, you know, a, a, a 10 year old kid that has an iPhone doesn't, you know, necessarily know the full history of comedy and they don't really give a shit. Exactly. That's why hack stuff 
works. Right. Because there's always a new generation who don't know that it's a it's a played out premise. You know, it's new to them. Well, so that, they're like, this is amazing. That's a, that, I would argue that memes are exactly yeah. that. It's a it's a hack format. It, it's it's people why memes are so popular is because unfunny people can take a formula, to, can take a template for a joke, right? And just plug in v- different variables and kind of make something sort of kind of funny. That- but then there are still some people like it's like anything. Most stuff we consume from a creative perspective, most movies, most books, most music, most art. Most everything is bad. Most memes are bad, but there's a small percentage of each of them that are truly fucking incredible, that are just amazing, and that stand the test of time, and that will be talked about, and we'll move on to the next generation. But like most everything of everything is kind of garbage, because people are doing it at different stages of their career, and you don't always get better doing stand-up. There's a, there's a crescendo you have, because <laughs> then the, you, know, you have these old stand-up legends you know, have these panels... I remember, I forget the one guy's name, but he was going on about like Bluetooth technology. And it's like, I thought oh. he was talking to himself. And you just, you just saw like, oh, no. the other, like you saw oh. Gary Seinfeld on stage be like, uh huh. Yeah. Like, like, oh, it's like we all, like, you know, basketball players don't just get better forever. Like you have a peak time and then everything you make after that is kind of shit. Well, well, I would, okay. What were we going to say? Doug? Well, no, the only thing I was just going to say to that that's interesting is it's even in the Vulture article that they talk about how like when comedy specials first started becoming big, like, you know, even in the 70s, a lot of those old school guys from the 60s looked at them as if they were crazy releasing their material. It's like, you could make a living off this stuff for the next yeah. 10 years. So as far as the internet's concerned, it's like Twitter, obviously, over the last you know 10 years has become a platform for... It's causing people to pump more stuff out. Right. And because people are spending less time on their specials, because there's a, you know, with like... With people like Louie or Bill Burr, where they're doing like a new special like every year. Or so every six months. And it's setting that's setting a benchmark for other comics. So other comics, I mean, I got to put out a new album. And it's like you're getting stuff that might not be as polished. But if your point is that comedy should be funny, yes. then there's a good chunk of stand-up specials that aren't comedy. <laughs> Correct. You know, but that's, <laughs> well, that's my, pers- that's my <sighs> personal opinion. And I always... It's difficult talking about stand-up with my friends who aren't stand-ups because I, here's how I liken it. Like, my sister just sent me, oh my gosh, she just texted me. She's like, hey, do you know so-and-so? And I was like, yeah, I know so-and-so. And oh my God, so-and-so special is hilarious. And I just had to be like, yeah, it's super great. And if if I could stop one person from doing comedy, like it would be so-and-so. <laughs> really? I just feel like... It's just awful. But that's my opinion because I always tell people, like, if you're really into wine... If that's your thing, and all you do is drink wine, you love wine, and I come over to your house with a bottle of two-buck chuck from Trader Joe's, you'd be like, oh my God, thank you. Like, that's so (laughs) gross, because you're into wine. That's the thing with me, stand-up. I've seen so much stand-up. I have very specific stand-up taste. I'm a stand-up snob, so I'm not going to like what you like. But it's it's all subjective. So yeah, I haven't seen Nanette yet. I'm excited to watch it, because it obviously had had an impact. Based on the responses in the chat room, you guys don't give a shit about it. (laughs) But it's like... who Which the fuck cares? Like, if it impacted you, it impacted you. I can't just go up to you and be like, actually, well, technically, it's not comedy. <laughs> it's like, if comedy is, I think comedy more than, it's supposed to have it, it it's, can make you laugh or it can have an impact. I, I don't know who am I to judge. Like, if you liked it and you thought it was funny, then like, fucking hey, good for you. I mean, you can make the argument, too. It's like, you go back and watch some of, like, Richard Pryor's older specials, which I still find funny, but sometimes, you know, obviously because it's aspects of it are dated. I'm not sometimes I'm not laugh out loud funny but obviously most of the stories are so personal and so raw 
that even in something like that, you could make that argument, you know, even at the time where, you know, somebody like Richard, I mean, there's old records like craps where he's like talking about sucking a guy's dick. Again, at the time, I mean, that's some crazy ass shit to do. I think it was like 1972 or, you know, whatever. This guy's sucking a dick. Seriously, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, it's like grew up in his grandmother's yeah. brothel. I mean, I, you know, but at the time, people may have argued, you know, the Milton Burles of the world, like, this isn't, com-, you know, this is But why do people get line. so fucking fired up about stuff? Like, let's say, like, Nanette comes out. This is all come down to Nanette. And people come out and everyone gets so fired up about it. I'm like, you don't like it. You don't got to watch it. Don't watch like, it. What's, right. the, what's the big fault? Like, why do you give such a shit? Like, do you not want it to exist for other people who yeah. like it? That's that's the thing. And that's where, like. You can like a, not like a movie and just go on with the rest of your life. Sure. Like, we spend so much fucking time, energy, and effort into shitting on stuff we don't like. Yeah. I'm like, who's just fucking like the stuff well, you like? Can I say something real quick, Maddox? I'm sorry. Is it, it, And I think that's a great point is. And this is kind of an overarching thing, even within the Louis conversation, is over the past couple of years of how serious we're taking comedy now. Of I'm just saying, even for example, the Louis News last week, it was on the top of Huffington Post almost the it's entire day. Crazy because when I started comedy like 15 years ago, it was not cool. Right. We were talking about this before the fight. In comedy, you're writing it right now. It's it's fucking cool. Cooler and it's than making it's ever been. like headline news on the BBC. Like right. it's like reaching international standards. So and that's what I'm getting at, that it's like from a level of like it's like a politician, you know, what they're saying is as, as much as a politician. Ah. So that's where like this weird gray area is happening that it's you know, we prop these. You know, we prop artists up on on a fucking pedestal, and you know, it creates this sort of level of idol worship that you know you love those artists so much. I mean, for me, like for example, you know, Bill Hicks is probably my favorite comic of all time. You know, just from a personal level, because he was such an, a personal artist that, yeah, you you become so sensitive. You know, if somebody says something negative about it, you know, you want to protect them. So that's what's interesting that we're taking it so seriously. Oh um, yeah, people take it personally that it's borderline not funny. That it doesn't matter if it's funny or not. It's just correct. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, taking it personally and, and uh, some funny comments, we got one in the chat room says, "I'm so glad Taylor's gone. I hated that guy." And the person <laughs> who said it is Taylor Nikolai. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Welcome back, Taylor. Couldn't stay away. We know. We know you couldn't stay away. Um, but anyway, back to the point of comedy. So I would I would argue that comedy has to have two elements. Okay. And the first is intent. The intent of the person telling the quote joke or making the comedic form, because you know, let's not let's not uh, reduce comedy to just one form. It's not just like set up punchline. It's not just a, a joke like that. Some some jokes sometimes take years for the payoff. Uh, there's inside jokes I've set up. I've set up inside jokes that won't be funny for people until probably about two three years from now, and they're going to be so fucking funny when it's when when people <laughs> when people uh, get the punchline, but it's not ready yet and. <laughs> It's like you know, it's still in the oven. It's it's got to bake a little bit longer, you know. Okay. Long the long the long bake. Yeah, exactly. And I put inside jokes in almost everything I do, guys. People used to come to my website and look at the the source code of my website because there were tons of jokes I put in there that I just commented out. No one would ever see that except for nerds who were looking through the source code. Even on the website madcastmedia.com, I've worked with Lord Matthew. Lord Matthew has inserted jokes like that in the same tradition. There are little inside jokes and Easter eggs and things like that. That's funny. There's intent to be funny. Uh, But then ultimately, intent also has to have execution at some point. If you try to make a pie over and over and over again and it just sucks you're not a pie baker you're just not you do, move on try something else do something that you're actually good at that people can then say yeah that's what you do it's like a writer right dustin ron how many people in this industry how many people do we know personally who call themselves writers who don't write 
<laughs> there's so many. Yeah. Like, if you're not doing it, you're not it. I don't know what to tell you. But that's an interesting argument because uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but this happened a long time ago where obviously you had a lot of internet comedians coming up and what i mean by an internet comedian is somebody sitting in front of their camera and you know what i'm talking about just doing the jump cut you know yeah jump cut jump cut jump cut right at the time when i was doing stand-up when i would see certain people doing that and them considered comics and then they have a million followers half a million subscribers whatever it is you're sitting there and you go well this isn't comedy because they're not in front of an audience right now you got to get up there and eat your balls but again i'm being an old fart yeah technically by saying yeah that. yeah you're like you're just not adapting to this new model exactly. where they're like paying yeah. their rent through being funny for a living. Exactly, you know. Yeah. So I would argue. So that so now that's that's some like gatekeeping shit that I'm not on board with because I would argue that um it's the same thing with people who say who criticize a music act or a music band for not being quote talented because you know some some other band that they hold to some orthodox standard is like oh they're the ones they're the fucking gold standard they're so talented well. I would argue that whatever is popular, right, by definition has some modicum of uh, talent or appeal in that genre. So Britney Spears, for example, not a fan of her music. I don't like her. I don't like her like her her art. I, I mean, not her personally. I don't know her. But like, I don't like her art. But I cannot argue that she's not talented because in her genre of pop music, she's one of the most talented. She's one of the most popular in the world and everybody is paying for her music. Everyone likes her music. So who am I to say that's not music or that's not talented? If you're going just by talent, everybody should listen to Mozart all the time. It's the most, he's the most talented musician in history or, or maybe Beethoven. And that's all we would ever listen to. But talent, uh, you know, again, like Ron was saying, it's subjective. Like the expertise with which a, a joke is crafted. People could argue Mitch Hedberg is super talented. Well, it's like, I don't know. It's like some people are talented and shit. I don't give a fuck about like, you know, when you were playing me that Fortnite, like dude, and he was just like yeah. unloading like shot after shot. And I just was like, and to me, he was like putting all these buildings up. I was like, this is what looks like when video games are broken. Like, I thought there was something wrong with the screen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get that that guy's talented at shooting someone who doesn't exist or digitally. I don't give a fuck, though. Like, Ron. you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't. It's like, oh, like, congratulations. Good for you for like to making this into a living, you know, like at a boy. But like I don't care. See, about can that. you can you not recognize the the raw talent? I can't. Skill of- I can't recognize how long it takes to get good at that, and because I know people who've gotten good at those kind of games, and I also recognize the fact that there will be a common day of reckoning where they'll look down and go, "What have I done with my life?" Yeah, what they've done is is earn fifty fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a month with their life. Wrong. They really making. <laughs> well, yeah, we were just making crazy Jesus money. Christ. Maddox and I were just talking about this. Is I just worked E three and back in my day, I know I used to shoot people. Well, that's what's so nuts. I work a lot of video games stuff and i just worked e3 and it's like yeah. i had a uh, ninja you know was one of the people we had on the show and at the end of the show i yeah, see last exactly I mean, just, only like the michael jordan of video you know of like yeah. Fortnite gaming but yeah you so know it's like what you name yourself when i'm when you're 12 <laughs> my name ninja 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 pirate yeah. robot um but you know i got a video, i got a video <laughs> yeah exactly ex- <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but I mean, I got a video for my nieces and my nephew of him, you know, basically being like, hey, guys, what's up? You know, wish you were here, blah, 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 blah. And seeing their reaction, it would have been as if what I was telling Maddox is in 1987, Michael Jackson got on the camera like, hey, Maddox, what's up? Really love you. You know, whatever, whatever. Just because I don't understand it, just because we don't understand it. Yeah. You know, even when you're talking about talent, it's like the little pumps and the little Uzi verts and well, that's the all those, thing, you know. Is when you realize, like, I remember being my buddy's kid. 
And I was like, she's like, where do you live? I was like, I live in Los Angeles. And she's like, do you ever run into? And she just listed all these YouTube stars. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I think the one guy I ran into once, she, she was like, oh, and she like lost her mind. Yeah. And then I realized at that moment, oh, YouTube and the success of all these people and mostly of the movie industry is pretty much comprised of people who are like eight to like 16. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the all the movies, like that's who goes and sees movies mm-hmm. is these like basically teenagers. Have you like ever seen little kids. kids what they watch now? Like usually, like with I have yeah. friends that have kids. I watch it. <laughs> a lot of the time, well, you know, a lot of the time it'll just be some, you know, obviously it'll be like, you know, Minecraft or whatever, but in terms of what they're interested in, it's just change, you know, it's just yeah. totally changing. My I mean, uh, it, my nephew, he was like, I went to visit him and I only get to see him like once a year. He's like, hey, Uncle Ronnie, do you, do you want to like, do you want to do Minecraft stuff? And I was like, yeah. I was like, actually, I would love to do Minecraft stuff. I've never done Minecraft stuff. He's like, okay. And so then we end up like, he turns on the iPad and we and I'm like thinking we're going to play Minecraft. And we, he ends up pulling up a video. And then I just watch him watch a video about a dude playing Minecraft. Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, should we play Minecraft? He's like, no, 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 no. This is it right here. Yeah. And that's what we did. And that's how, <laughs> I didn't realize that was even a thing. Yeah. And well, it's like, yeah, am I, that guy was obviously talented at what he does. Yeah. I'm just the old fart who doesn't realize that that's entertaining. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're fucking up, Ron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or is it possible, or is it possible that there is no either or definition of what is and what isn't comedy? It no. all comes down. If there's an audience for it, well, then guess what? It's fucking comedy for them. success overrules. At the end of the day, success will overrule all of it. Hey, speaking of overruling, real quick, Ron, <laughs> you got us back on track. Okay, you're the tangent officer. Oh, you're, uh, you're on thin ice. You guys <laughs> want to hear about the one time I farted in a theater? <laughs> uh, too late, Ron. We're back on track already. Oh, now yeah. we're talking about people the left. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so we're on the same fucking page because if you're not successful at comedy, you're not a comedian. Right. You're not fucking funny. No one thinks you're making comedy. You're trying. Okay, can we distinguish between trying and success? Can we, like, can we stop blurring and that fucking also, line? Can we, but, but at the same, success is not something you just get to and stay at forever. It's not a fucking club that you get in and you're like, welcome to success club. It's like you're there for a little bit. Well, and I then don't... you fuck up and they're like, bro, you got to leave. Ron, I, you know, the only thing that I, to me, a good example, again, is the internet because things have a larger, you know, a longer shelf life on the internet. It's more of an unlimited shelf life where it could be something there's so many things again being early to the internet right and youtube that i was into years ago that somebody will send me a video i'm like this is fucking this video is eight years old i but it doesn't matter i i am the poster boy for that shit so i have been writing for 21 years this is a long fucking writing career i started when i was like fucking 15 16 years old you say it like that i always just imagine you in a room alone just constantly like Oh fuck Wales! When I, when I fucking come up with that? <laughs> yes, but a coffee shop uh, <laughs> that has free Wi-Fi. Yeah, there's uh, there's Wi-Fi and uh, and people around, so I don't like get too distracted with my bullshit. But yeah, Ron, it's a very um, you know, it's not the most um, social of uh, of careers. Uh, <laughs> but um, anyway, so I've been doing this for for you know since I when I was 15, 16 years old, right? When is when I started? So I have writing currently online that you can go read that I wrote when I was in high school. And that writing has to stand the test of time because people find it today and they're like, well, what the fuck is this weird Because Maddox then has to be Maddox now. Exactly. And that and and uh, some of my fans have even turned on me because they're like, oh, Maddox, you changed, man. Yeah, dipshit. Over the course of 20, 20 years, years, it's like it's going to happen. You know what else changes? Fucking everything. Yeah. Everything changes. We don't even have fucking the World Trade Centers anymore. Do- 
Do you still talk talk about that every fucking day? You go up to the, the 40th floor of the World Trade Center? You can't because it's fucking gone. Right. Shit changes, dipshit. You, you adjust and uh, react to society around you just like everybody does. Jokes I told like 10, 11 years ago aren't holding up because guess what? Over the course of a decade... Things change. Become dated. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm super glad that there's a lot of my stand-up from my first ten years of comedy that is not online. Yeah, that existed in the moment and then disappeared because there are certainly a lot of jokes that I'm definitely not proud of. Yeah, you know, there's. There, I mean, the shit. I wrote my book, the first book, The Alphabet of Manliness. My express goal, and I told this to my editor, is I want to write a timeless book. I want to write a book, and it was so difficult to write because. I, my website is more topical. I talk about things that are current. I, I do Star Wars reviews, and you know, uh, th- th- I talk about things in pop culture and things that are going that are trending and memes and things like that. I can't write about any of that shit in a book because it's going to be dated. So I set out with the express goal of writing that book to be a timeless piece of humor. And I went back and read it recently, at like parts of it, uh, and and it does not. There's parts that absolutely do not hold up. There's jokes in there that I don't even get. I referenced Pamela Anderson. And if, why would I fucking reference Pamela Anderson? I don't fucking know. I reference a Nintendo DS game that I don't even yeah. know if I own anymore. Like I don't. <laughs> I reference Castlevania uh, Harmony of Despair on Nintendo DS, a very small, very minor game. Couldn't have sold more than a hundred thousand copies. And I guarantee the intersection of the Venn diagram of people who own that game and people who own my book is a slip. Maybe like three thousand people. So congratulations, you three thousand people who get that joke. I don't even fucking get it anymore. There's shit. That just doesn't hold up and you know you have to you have to adapt and change with time so i think holding that up to the same standard as like comedy from today is uh, a fallacy it's a, it's you know you're not you're, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing everyone a disservice well it's interesting too to see things that like uh, one of my favorite examples is bill burr the philadelphia incident concert you know what i'm talking about for people that haven't heard i'm sure a lot of people have now is um you know, basically, they there was an opening Anthony show that was going on in Philly at this outdoor venue, and it was a complete shit show. Like Don Marrera got booed off stage, and basically, Bill Burr goes out there and completely just fucking destroys the entire crowd, just shits it, on the audience to the point where they're booing him, and then by the end of them, they kind of like they it's on YouTube. It's a really good. Walk. It's easily yeah. trying to put Bill Burr on the map in the larger consciousness. Exactly right. Where because it was just no fucking fear, it, and it's one. Of, I mean, for me, as far as comedy is, goes, it's just like it, like I it makes my heart warm. Um, but even in that respect, where it's people, you know. I remember when it came, you know when that thing came out ten years ago, but it just over time, you know, it just gradually just snowballed and snowballed. And it's funny what Ron said to me, you know, Bill Burr is like in terms of working comics today. Personally, he's my favorite comic working today. And it's just interesting that it it took, you know, it just takes people, you know, again that 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 bigger audience now finally kind of catches on where I feel like, well, I was into this 10 years, you know, into this 10 years ago, like typical hipster ass over here. But, you know, I was into this before anybody or whatever. But again, sometimes that larger audience, it's really up to them of how, you know, these things kind of take on a new life, you know? One thing, uh, one thing about, you know, I wrote a book about not using topical humor. There is an element of that in the LA standup scene and there's a bunch of shows and they're hostile shows. What do you mean? They're shows at hostels. Oh, where, oh, you know, oh, at hostels. At hostels. There yeah. was one in Hollywood, there's one in Santa Monica, and there are the weekly shows where you go and you perform for a bunch of foreigners who are just in town to see the Hollywood sign and go to the beach and whatever. <laughs> and let me tell you, the, the, that will, uh, yeah. you go through your jokes and you realize real quickly how many of your jokes rely on not only pop culture references, but pop culture references from this country that you need to get, local street references, yep. uh, names of movies. Yep. And like you just go through your act and you're like, oh my shit, none of my shit translates. None of it yeah. works. Yeah. But you know what does translate? Relationship stuff. 
Relationship stuff. Bar none. That re- it's that's the one thing that always goes over great. Religion stuff. Uh, translates food stuff, cultures. Work, so that's something. That's work. something I'm very conscious of too. Like on on this podcast, I intentionally try not to talk about things that are local because there's people in Germany, and as you'll hear in just a minute, I got some voicemail from uh, from uh, uh, from Great Britain today, and we have like you know international listeners. We have what people- a different culture, Great Britain. <laughs> it's amazing that this podcast even translates. Oh, this this is funny. I titled this voicemail to the most British caller in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> You'll you'll see why in just a minute uh, when we get to that. But uh, real quick on the on the topic of of comedy. So where do you draw the line? If somebody just because somebody labels something comedy doesn't make it comedy. Just because somebody labels something you know a, a troll. Oh, I was trolling or satire doesn't make it satire. And that's one I that's one that's a, a sore spot for me. Like the the, the the label of satire. Oh, people hide behind satire. They hide so behind, fucking yeah, much. They use and the I'm satire like, shield. They use satire, and I'm like, hey, no, it's not. It's, it's just not. you're just using a, a, a five dollar word to be a dickhead. Exactly, and you don't know what the definition of satire means, and that's why people use it so much. They just know the words "modest proposal" and Jonathan Swift, and that's like it. <laughs> they don't even know that. They don't even know what they're saying. They like the, the point of satire is you're supposed to use sarcasm or humor to make a point. Okay, that's what satire is. So when, when point somebody, is that you're gay. <laughs> that's like that's what it comes down to. So if somebody says like the N word, they're like, oh, maybe it's satire, but but it's like, well, what? But what's your point? Like South Park got away with it in an episode where Stan, uh, Stan's Stan, Stan's dad, what's the guy's name? Uh, Stan Stan Marsh. Oh, uh, Rick Rick, no, uh, Scott Kyle's Kyle's dad, whatever. Yeah. He was, he was on Wheel of Fortune hmm. and he was trying to solve oh, remember, yeah. the final puzzle. Naggers. and it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the clue was these type of people are annoying. And the letters on the board were N blank G G E R S. And he's just like looking around, like <laughs> he's like, "Can I say this?" And he just says the N word right there, right on fucking. And it was aired on Comedy Central. Nobody bat an eye because they earned it. They were making a point. That that episode was so fucking brilliant. It was pure satire. Uh, the answer is naggers. Naggers was the answer. Th- those are annoying people. <laughs> and then it, it said something about him. It said something about us. It said something about culture and just being able to air that word on TV. And it was like such a brilliant episode. It spoke so much to so many people. And they earned the right to say that. They didn't just come by and do a little drive-by like, oh, N-word. And then just like, oh, it's satire. Here's my satire shield. You don't understand what satire is. And the reason people don't question satire more critically is because too few people understand what it truly is. I think satire also is, it's kind of a a mean form of humor because the whole way it's funny is that there are some people out there who don't get the joke. So it's a humor that's based on exclusion rather than inclusion. Oh, about satire? Yeah. Well, again, I would argue that if people can't tell, you're not good at it. And maybe you should stop. Uh, <laughs> but see, this is where we're getting into this territory where, and again, as far as like getting back to like the debate, you know, the, the side of the debate that I'm on is, again, the audience, the palette of the audience is changing where of what we're talking about, those, those even people that obviously South Park's a huge show. But again, from our generation of how, you know, we were able to see, again, pre-internet, how comedy evolved up to this point. Right. right. And in my opinion, I always felt as once YouTube became sort of this huge platform, it used to take work to be into shit back in the day. You guys know this. To, yeah. If it was a CD or a VHS tape, whatever it was, it took work to like be into those you had things. You a ride see. from your mom to go to the mall. Totally. 
dig up the whatever the yeah it, like, like it t- i had to drag my mom to heads together cult video store to rent evil dead 2 when i was 13 years old that was a big moment yeah, do you know how life. hard it was for me to find clerks when i first right, came out right and like getting the one video store that had that yeah. and like and then watching it when my mom and dad weren't around because there's a bunch of shit in the movie that so we've been able to for. see these things evolve you know literally to truly see it evolve over time once YouTube came along, it became this sort of like even field, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're kind of getting at of sort of what the definition of, of comedy, you know, what comedy is and what's funny. Um, again, I just think there's such this shift that I want to make these arguments as sort of a, a comedy purist, but because everything's changing so much, it's the the audience is basically redefining what comedy is at it, this point and what is funny. Yeah, I feel like it's almost like in a weird way, I feel like the, de- the debate is all, not... Not that it's unnecessary, but it just doesn't matter because the audience is going to determine what it is. Yeah, the audience is going to determine what it is. But I think w- even within that frame, even within that context, the audience, uh, the audience's determination is ultimately what matters uh, because there is no such thing. You can't take comedy, you know, from Earth and then shoot it out into space, and an alien will recognize that as comedy. They they will like, well, what the fuck is this, and why do you guys like this? And they and you explain to them, it's like, well, humans have this emotion called laughter and joy. Why did and- you say it like that? Why did you say humans? <laughs> Because I'm speaking to aliens, right? Yeah, man. But why are you changing the way we talk to speak to them? Oh, no. Human. Oh, I'm not ready to talk I about I am them. a human. <laughs> and they're like, a, a human? Yes, a human. A human <laughs> from Earth. Uh, we got a couple super chats real quick. from pa- One from, uh, well, we got two from Pavage Babin. One for $5 says, I think it's fair to shit on Nanette. When I watch comedy special, I expect it to be funny and not an hour-long political speech. A fucking man, I'll give you that. Yeah, but you don't have to keep watching it. That's true, but that's true. But we're not talking about, like, nobody's forcing him, but clearly, but he wouldn't consider that comedy, right? Well, he doesn't consider that comedy. Yeah. But I mean, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it either. Guys, so, I feel I've seen most of it. And the, the last thing people want is a straight white male having a goddamn opinion about Nanette. Like nobody gives a shit right. what I think. Not the rat, last thing. And I, so I fucking want that all day long. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I haven't watched it yet purposely because I almost don't. I, I don't. It's like Avatar. Like I don't want to have an opinion on it. Like you know, you I know Avatar. I, I've never seen Avatar. Why don't you want to have an opinion on it? Uh, you know, because everybody was just going balls deep on Avatar when it came out. I, I will watch, watch it now. I will watch Avatar in one in a very specific circumstance, only if it's uh, showing on a plane. I want to watch it on the smallest screen possible. <laughs> the way, the just to be a big, exact opposite way that to the be director a big said. Fuck you to the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Ron, I'll, I'll give you that. There's a there's a comedian that Ron and I know named Eliza Skinner, and she had a tweet recently that went viral. That she, that I mean, just spoke to me. It's, she said. You don't have to have a public opinion on everything. A fucking men. I'll, I'll give you that. And, and Ron, congratulations for not having an opinion on Avatar. But I do agree. But I totally agree with that, especially, especially from the Nante standpoint. Because again, me personally, when I wa- the parts that I watched, yeah, I had a problem with it. You know, in terms of it being comedy and how you know it, it became more of a confessional than anything else. Oh, are you talking about Avatar? No. <laughs> no, Nanette. Oh, Nanette. Nanette. Yeah. Um, I was going to be like, yeah, it was. It was like Avatar. Um. She did that. She did like okay. I'm a comic. When you go to a special, you do your act for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she did that. The, that was the first time she did that act a lot. I'm assuming before the show, and she did that for audiences. And audiences obviously were digging it because she decided to. That was she decided to be her special. So like, yeah. But then could Obama go around and be like, oh, here's my comedy special. It's just a speech. 
Like I, Henry it, Rollins just, did it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. his whole yeah. fucking career. Wink, wink. Uh, I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, obviously, like, I guess what, like, is it is it the fact that you don't think comedy should make you uncomfortable? No, I I think that comedy, the some of the best comedy is is stuff that challenges us and our and our um, expectations and and uh, assumptions about uh, life and society. I think that's some of the best comedy. That's why Bill Burr was so, or not Bill Burr, uh, Bill, Bill Hicks. Hicks. Bill Hicks was and, so. And, but that's I guess that's what I'm getting out of where we're at now. If we take you know we take it so seriously and they. they become these cultural mouthpieces that I, I again I just feel like it's getting to this level now that I think that's why redefining comedy and saying does it need to be funny or not I, again I feel like that's why these things are happening now because we've given comics as artists so much weight well, um we've we've got a super chat in the chat room from Pavich Babin he says once Logan Paul came around he made comedy not funny for five dollars thank you Pavich Babin so Logan Paul if you guys aren't familiar is the guy some some people would say douchebag who um went to the suicide forest in japan and made the video where he had a reaction to finding a, a dead body and a lot of people found it deeply and grossly offensive it's because i think he made light of it he disrespected the the, the entire i mean on so many levels the the japanese culture when he went there he made a, a follow-up video where he was just going around being an asshole to everyone in Japan. Yeah, and something. so and then people compared that to jackass because in the in the first jackass movie i believe the first or second one they went to japan and they were jackasses to everybody out there but it was funny because they have the body of work to do it they're trained comedians a lot of them they knew how to make comedic things without just looking like a jerk or an asshole to to people in japan whereas logan paul went there like some loudmouth idiot sassing off people uh disrupting their business causing problems and nobody thought it was funny except for maybe his like eight-year-old fans and that right it's like they like dub it fun you know funny where it's like I at like, least with, it, i like the phrase trained comedian because that makes me think that they're in some sort of dojo. You know? There is. I've had friends who set up. Fat guy walks into a bar. And Punch then he said, Ow! <laughs> well, that's an interesting. Okay, there's a quick uh, tangent. Good job, Ron. Back on. Tra- back on. Yeah. Back, on, back, on, on track. Track. Yeah, back off track. Back off track. Back off track. This is an interesting tangent because I do have friends who've taken comedy classes. They yeah, do. Yeah. They do have comedy. So, what do you think? Do you think comedy is something that can be trained or can be taught? Uh, listen, I get this question all the time about comedy classes. If you want to do comedy and you need a class to get off your ass and write five minutes of stand-up or, or to give you some sense of community so you feel safe, then you take the goddamn class. I don't give a shit. If, whatever gets you going. I know some of the funniest comedians I know got started off in a class. The problem is don't stay in the class. Right. You have to grow out of the class because what happens is, is that'll give you the community and the teacher will be like, oh, hey, you're not ready yet. You're not ready to go. Yeah. Because the teacher has a vested interest in you paying $300 every eight weeks. Of course, of course. But... If you need a class to get started, take a class. There's no shame in taking an improv class. I, I've never taken a stand-up class, but I don't think there's any shame in taking one. If you like, if you want to learn something, it's pretty normal to take a class in it. Just recognize the fact that it's for beginners, and you don't want to stay there. And also be wary of the teacher trying to. You know, just some teachers. Sometimes you'll go to a class and like the teacher, like who who they are, might be based in an old form of stand up comedy. Sure. Like you're bald, so you're the bald guy. You're yeah. fat, so you're the fat guy. Yeah. You're the really fat guy. Like they just kind of take that and be like, "That's your voice." It's like just well, Rick, who I, take I, it for what funny it is, we're talking you know, about is Rick, who I made the film about. Actually, has been teaching stand up comedy at the Comedy Cellar for. Almost eight, eight or and nine years now. I, yeah, and he's a, he's a stand up te- comedian teaching it who's actually still doing it. And who has, you know, done, who's worked, you know, really worked in the industry. And it's interesting because he's had students that have gone on to like legitimate success. Um, shout out to my boy Charles McBee, who, you know, just wrote for the VMAs and, you know, writes for a bunch of stuff. But 
it was interesting in his standpoint that it was somebody that like actually did have a career. So it felt like the money side of it wasn't like he's just trying yeah, to work kids out of money. Because you know? it's a, a little bit different when you're taking a class from someone who doesn't do the thing they're teaching, at least in stand-up, because stand-up with our debate today shows that it does change. And so it's nice to be taught from someone who's actively working the road or knows what it's like or has a lot of experience doing that. But I feel like classes, yeah, fuck it, take it. Don't don't let people shit on you. Because then, then you know what? Great. You didn't start. And then you won't ever do the thing that you always wanted to do. That's uh, that, that's true. That's possible. That's a possible outcome of uh, taking a class and never leaving. Uh, but I, I do want to make two points. Two, well, I, w- I want to say two things. First, we got a super chat for six pounds. And I don't even know how to say this. 66. It's not cents. What, what's the euro? Euros? Euro. Six, but it, or six euros and sixty six. What? Oh, yeah. What uh, is that? It's not cents. Uh, yeah. What is the? What is the? It's cents. Chain. Really? Six pounds and sixty six cents? No, because cents is uh, cents is U.S. Yeah, yeah it's America. That's us. Yeah. Well, anyway, six pounds and sixty six or six euros sixty six cents from uh, Laurie Mikola says yes. Comedy is funny. If it's not, it's not comedy. End of discussion. Thank you, Laurie, and I would agree with that. Now, here's here's what you guys I think are conflating. Okay, sometimes. People who aren't funny can say funny things, or like a comed- a, a form that's not comedic can have comedic moments. Like, for example, uh, Obama or Trump, if they go on a, a, a campaign speech, they tell a few jokes here and there, that's for comedic relief. They're not comedians. Red Letter Media did an amazing video recently on The Last Jedi, the Last Jedi movie that came out. Uh, Red Letter Media does the me- the best movie reviews, the best movie takedowns, and they talked about the problem with this movie is that... Star Wars is not considered a comedy, but this movie was written like one. It, there's a, there's the same stupid foils of every character. Every character is kind of dumb in this movie. There's a can can you hear me now moment. Remember where he's like talking to one of the guys from the Empire. Yeah, he's like talking like, wait, are you still there? It was like one of yeah. those jokes. Yeah. And I was like, did that really just fucking happen? Yeah, there's a bunch dumb. of jokes like, that geez, didn't land just for just me. Horny. And then yeah. there was like a BB eight. Like the BB eight was essentially uh, a MacGuffin in the whole in the whole movie. Like the BB eight BB eight could do everything. It, it it had a slot machine uh contra- uh, compartment that was specifically designed for the size of coin that they went to this weird fucking gambling planet. And now BB eight, I guess, has a machine gun coin launcher. And then yeah. BB eight can also uh the way that BB eight isn't working as like a jerk off robot. Robot. You yeah, know, I mean, with all those contraptions, yeah. it's like kind of seems like he missed his mark. And Red Letter Media pointed this out, but there was this part where one of the ships is malfunctioning, and BB-8 goes in very much like a Looney Tunes car- a cartoon where you're where, finger in the dam. Yeah, finger in the dam. Exactly. Yeah. It's like that old gag. It's like this is not Star Wars is not a comedy. So when you try to to ramrod a comedy format into something that's not a comedy, it doesn't work. And oftentimes, I think that if if they try to ram com, uh, excuse me, the other way around, like drama into into comedies, that doesn't necessarily work. Marvel movies are but just so because- guilty. Of something doesn't work in a specific instance for you doesn't mean that it's like shouldn't be allowed ever you know like it doesn't work until it works i mean you could make the huge argument that especially the last chunk of george carlin's you know uh stand-up specials were him right you know it's not him necessarily telling jokes per se right i mean you could kind of make that argument um because to some people they may consider that you know they may consider that stand-up comedy and some may not you know again it it, maybe it does borderline on kind of that ted talky type vibe i mean for me i love uh, you know i love george carlin but But you just because you you agree with what he's saying right exactly that's the thing is a lot of times there's comedians out there where they're very 
uh, they're like some comedians um, where they're like the a spokesperson for like a group. And it's like, I'll listen to the CD and it's like, I don't really think it's funny. But what they're saying people are just agreeing with yeah well and and they're they're happy that their voice is is out there so two things first of all i'll say that there's a very famous comedian who is absolutely fucking not funny it's lenny bruce i i cannot stand lenny bruce ron you gotta put stuff in the context of what it was i mean listen i don't even know a lot of lenny bruce and because like I listen, I remember first watching Eddie Murphy's Raw. The first ten minutes, I was like, yeah. "Man, he says the word faggot a lot." Like, <laughs> like, is this the whole thing? It's actually in my that, that clip of that movie. Uh, clip of that is in my movie. Yeah, it's like kind of like oh. to showcase like what the eighties were like. Like yeah. people do not remember. Kids, yeah, kids said that shit all the time in like kids shows. There was right. that uh, what's that Monster Squad that came out by Universal yeah. with like yeah, it's yeah. made for kids and they're saying it constantly. Yeah, but Lenny Bruce is just fucking not funny. I bought an entire CD of his and I swear to I gave it a fucking. Uh, I did a yeoman's job of trying to listen to this thing. I listened to 40 minutes of it, not a single laugh. I was watching an old uh, Rodney Dangerfields, uh, and then one night it was on, I was like, oh, maybe it was on YouTube. I was watching it, it was like, it was uh, like um, fucking Dice Man, and it was like... uh, Bill Hicks was... Yeah, all these people were on it, and I was was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Like, Let's watch like people in their fucking prime just doing their thing. Watch it. It was fucking awesome awful (laughs) every single comedian had a joke about asians with their squinty eyes and how they were bad drivers because of it yeah every single it was the hackiest shit in the world and i'm like these are our fucking heroes these are our legends and now 10 year olds are making making instagram videos about the same jokes it's on like you know you start to look at stuff and you're like oh is it because most stuff people make is terrible yeah that's true Okay, but again, even when we were talking about Carlin real quick. It's, yeah. Again, look at the audience at the time because if you go back and watch those, no other time could he have performed and got that same energy from the audience. Where it's like America, it's like literally the equivalent of like him preaching, but like Americans are fucking idiots, and everyone's like, yeah. So it, a part of it does have to do with the audience at the time and the palette of, you know, what they consider funny or not. By the way, real quick, uh, I, I forgot Andrew Dice Clay's name for a second. So I said Dice Man. And then in the chat room, uh, JR just went Dice Man. <laughs> like, well, I knew what I was doing when I was saying. I was like, oh, I shouldn't be saying Dice Man. Uh, Olo in the chat room also says, Carlin was just making funny preaches. Yeah, that's true. But uh, again, like he was able to do it. He was able to get it out there and you know frame it as as a as a comedy ultimately the audience does decide whether or not it's a comedy but here's the thing i think yes and i think comedy for stuff where people say well that's just too preachy is comedy is a way for people to bring up their story which may make people uncomfortable and and people will actually listen to it like you know like like people can talk in a comedy special about something very serious that most people would never listen to if they didn't watch a comedy special. Like a comedy is, it lets people in, in a way. So I think it allows people to discuss things. Well, Dave Chappelle. So Dave Chappelle, when he had his like uh, stand-up uh, comeback, right? He did that special on Netflix. He did something that was pretty controversial. Um, he kind of framed the whole, uh, you know, he, he he set up a joke where he said that, he wanted to pitch a movie to somebody, some Hollywood executive, where it was about a guy who had a superhero where he could, uh, you know, he could solve any crime, he could stop any crime, whatever. But he had to, he had to have sex with with somebody first, or he had to like kiss him or something, right? And he said that he was really dead ass ugly, and so, so he would go around and he'd be like, well, sometimes, you know, to save to save this uh, group of people, he would just have to take it, and everyone's like, oh shit. 
he just told a rape joke and, <laughs> and it got it got him in some heat some people but he was trying to you know he was trying to and i'm not saying i agree with this point but he was trying to make the point i think that uh, uh people who've who've done a lot of good can sometimes also fuck up and, and do some things that are really heinous and really bad. And I think he was kind of referencing a little bit of a tip and a nod to Bill Cosby. Because Bill Cosby, he was arguing, had done so much for so many people. He'd uh, donated so much money. He's gotten, he created black youth programs and things like that. But he's a rapist. And I think that's what his message was. But he couldn't say that. So he had to frame it in this comedic narrative. And saying, well, here's, an, here's another analogy. You know, it's it's kind of... Whether or not you agree with it or not, it's a it's a it's a clever way to make that point without making that point. And he was he was I think that's what he was tipping toward his hat towards. And I think that's what a lot of people like disagreed with. Like a lot of he got a lot of heat for that, right? Yeah, yeah, I I, I remember when that came out. And, and mean, also speaking of like jokes that don't tra- that don't translate and they, they don't they don't age well. Dave Chappelle is also a product of like the early '90s. Go watch and, the early Def Jam stuff. I mean, it's all yeah, pretty, not hacky, but you know what I mean. It's right. for the audience. Part of it's like, you know, Def Jam's a good example where it's like a specific type of comic works within that audience, right? You know that the Burning Mac was like the perfect person for something like that in front of like I hate to say it was like an all white audience or a different audience. It's probably not going to work doing these like oh, I'm scared of you motherfucker. You know that yeah, that type yeah, of energy. Yeah. Like it may work for one audience, but maybe not for another. Well, speaking of what doesn't work, so Dave Chappelle, you can tell exactly where his cultural point of view stopped evolving because he made some trans jokes and they i don't think those landed because a lot of people were, yeah, were like he got a lot of shit. Uh, he got I a lot love, of shit I for hate the to say, I love the, the one that his joke where it's like the way he sets it up where it's like uh Hey man, come on, we're cutting our dicks off and turning them, you know, into pussies. What? You know, but it's just typical Dave. You know what I mean? If you know Dave, if you know his material. Well, of course, but it's the first time I've, I'm a huge fan of Dave Chappelle, and it's it's the first time where I saw some of his material, and I thought, ah, you know what? That's that's the point where it's like, oh. He's kind of like in in a different generation. He comes from a different generation, totally. like my grandparents' yeah. generation. They can say they say things that are insensitive and racist. It was and the first time you realized he was from a, a, a different, different generation. generation. Yeah, I think a lot of times my my whole point is always going to come back to there's so much comedy out there. There's more out there today than ever before because of the ways we can consume it, and so easily. Like if I liked a comic in high school, I would just have to wait till they came up on like two item minimum on uh two drink minimum on uh comedy central yeah. you know like i just had to wait and be like oh i love this guy and you wouldn't even know their name because it just be for a second and then they would disappear and you go to the next highlight real comic where now it's like hey, you want anybody you go to spotify everybody's album is there even me you know this guy on spotify right now for free yeah yeah actually i didn't know lots of comedy album forgot, shout forgot out. about that um very well done actually. but like if you don't like something fucking just don't like it and move on with your life you know like to go find out the comedian you do like i feel like sometimes people are more interested in shitting on stuff yeah than in enjoying stuff right because it's easier to shit on stuff and it's harder to like come out and be like you know what i really like this because yeah. there's always going to be someone in the room who's like fuck you you're wrong and it's like, I don't know how to tell people that they're wrong for liking something. Well, I think that's why the Dave Chappelle joke that you brought up is a great example of a situation where, again, somebody like maybe us where, again, I know who Dave, you know, I know the old Dave. And to me, it's very funny. But somebody in the audience or watching it on Netflix hears that and they just walk. They It is not funny to them at all. Yeah. There, so this is something I've dealt with my entire career. Like people come at me with hate mail. And the reason, the whole reason I started posting hate mail on my website is because it's absurd. 
The concept of hate mail is absurd. You are sending a hateful message to somebody whose content you don't like. How about fuck off? How about just leave it be? If you don't like something on TV, change the fucking channel. It's in our, I think the internet showed us anything. It is in our nature. You've seen Howard Stern private parts. Remember the scene with Paul Giamatti? He's like, you know, the people that love him listen for an hour and the people that hate him listen for two and a half hours, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. That's the thing. Like, if you hate it, change the channel, change the radio station. You don't have to, like, it's insane that you have the ability even to contact somebody who has said or done something you, also, you don't like. Just don't it, listen to it, it. And you going on about how you dislike something actually amplifies the thing that you don't like right. and brings it to a bigger audience. It's, yeah. So it's wondering, like, sometimes people do shitty things, and I'm like, you know, if you don't say anything, it just they just disappear. It just goes away, yeah. But when you amplify it, you, in a weird way, like, legitimize what they're saying is something that should be responded to. That's So that's something I've, I've actually uh, uh, grappled with, too, because I've always criticized PETA. And it's something that I decided very consciously. I haven't spoken about it in public, but I was going to stop. The Animal Welfare Organization or the Bread? The uh, the Animal Welfare Organization. The Bread is just okay, but it's on thin ice. Um, I, f- I feel like PETA is a little overrated. But uh, PETA, the Animal Welfare, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Uh, in the, I guess, early 2000s, early to mid-2000s, they did a lot of stuff that was kind of um, attention-grabbing. They did a lot of things, like they made pamphlets that were violent, and they would give them out to children and be like, Mommy and Daddy's a killer. Well, in no no rational person is going to say, yeah, I'm on board with you handing fucking violent material to my child, to my toddlers here. So PETA knew that. They intentionally did that to, because they were going to try to grab headlines, and they knew that if they grab the headlines, they'll get some trickle of people coming in and looking at their cause and, and maybe converting to vegetarianism. Well, I realized that a long time ago. I thought, these motherfuckers are saying intentionally incendiary things, and I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of more publicity. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give them the more, more – I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of more attention to their cause because I know what they're fucking doing, and it's insidious. They're insincere. They're snake oil salesmen. Anyone can do it. It's fucking easy. You can say the N-word. Get headlines. Mm-hmm. Great. You said the fucking N-word. Then what? Like Alex Jones, there's a debate right now on as to whether or not Alex Jones is a performance uh, performance artist or he's sincere in his beliefs. And it's kind of a toss-up because in court, Alex Jones, for a custody battle, said that it was a performance art, mm-hmm. right? But then he goes on his his he goes out and he he, com- he confronted uh Rubio, Marco Rubio. What's his name? Yeah, Mark Rubio. Yeah, Mark Rubio. Mark Rubio. Yeah. Mark Rubio. Yeah, he he comes out across as like sincere, and that goes back to the fundamental argument I'm making in this episode, which is if people can't tell, you're not good at it. Maybe you should stop. If you can't tell, you're a satirist. You're not good at satire, and it probably isn't. Well, what about people who are just in the process of getting good at something? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you don't have to publish all your brain farts. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. I, I, you know, I think that's one of the things is we're we're publishing every thought. Yes, you don't you know, have and that's and before there used to be a, a like there, there in a way there was a gatekeeper. You know, you had the gatekeepers of, of getting something on TV, and now there's no more gatekeeper. You want to put something on YouTube, you can put it up on YouTube, and with that, like the floodgates are open. We're just getting a lot of shitty thoughts yeah. that would uh, and and so everybody has beautiful thoughts on. make yeah. make it through. Really, so beautiful. But with that comes all the shitty ones too. You know? Uh, yeah. I don't know the answer. Is it's just 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 how it is. 
Yeah, you don't have to you don't have to broadcast every fucking brain fart. You don't have to publish every little sketch you make. You don't have to put out every you don't have to serve your guests your experiments when you're cooking. But even if you want to get big on YouTube, like people have told me this like YouTube that its consistency is way more important than quality. Uh I would disagree with that. You know, but like there's a bunch of people out there and I I, I kind of disagree with it too. Like we we've talked about this, but like it is like people are like you rather put out something than not put out any nothing. You know, and it's like we're starting to reward people for bad yes content that's a problem i have with youtube as a platform and i think a lot of creators do is and, and animators specifically because animation takes a long it takes time. so much yeah, fucking man. time yeah but it's some of the best content you can see on youtube is like a three or four minute animation that takes somebody like months a, and months a, to like produce. yeah like at least six months especially because a lot of these people are doing it themselves so they're doing every stage of animation yes. on their own yeah it takes fucking it's crazy how much it takes over somebody's life or uh you know uh uh uh, James, the angry video game nerd. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I worked with him a bunch over the years, and even with him, the amount of de- de- like he truly just had to map his life, you know, work his life around that. You know, the amount of time and dedication that he has to put into it, it just. Yeah, it completely changes your life. Well, guys, we should wrap up this conversation. This has been a fascinating debate, touched on a lot of So topics. where do we end up? That Maddox is pretty much wrong and we're kind of more on the right side of history? <laughs> no, incorrect. I am 100% right. I'll give you I'll give you a, a summary. What's your summary argument, Doug? Does comedy have to be funny? Well, the one thing that I did want to end on what you were talking about is, you know, even the trolling thing, what we started on with uh, was Drew Michael about not having an audience for his special. Right. Even something like that or the, you know, Nante thing. It does, you know, as far as the internet of hooking you in, of them selling it, it is kind of trolling you in a way. And that's just kind of what the marketplace is, is you know? I mean, it is a really, really tough argument. It's it's part of it. Look, I know what I think is funny based on, you know, my experience growing up and the things. Like, I understand what you were saying about Lenny Bruce. I totally get that. Um, not funny. Not not. I would even go so far as to say... Not a comedian. <laughs> well, but again, that's totally up for debate in, in, in terms of being, you know, whatever, revolutionary at the time. Um, you know, that's where the argument can play because maybe at the time, you know, half the audience did not find it funny at all, especially from a language standpoint of him saying, you know, cunt and cocksucker. But, you know, maybe the other half found it to be, you know, hilarious. But I think at the end of the day, I you know, I hate to keep saying, you know, going back to the audience, but... Part of it, too, are the comics themselves. Somebody like Gerard Carmichael produced, you know, producing and directing the special and trying to change sort of what the format is. Personally, I find a lot of the specials, uh, your, your sort of clean cut, uh, you know, sort of these big multicam specials that they do on Netflix. Personally, I find them, they get a little boring by the middle. You know, they're all pretty, you know, cookie cutter to a degree. Yeah. So with that said, I don't mind seeing the medium evolve. It's not really on me to try to control how that's going to evolve. But I think at the end of the day, the artistic medium, ha- you know, it, it has to evolve. And I think off that point of those old school comics thinking that the these new comics in the 70s doing, you know, giving all their material away for nothing was insanity. We may feel the same way that somebody like, you know, uh, Hannah Gatsby, you know, doing semi-confessionals is insane, which again, to me, yes, I, I, that shit's not funny to me. Um, but again, it's, it's evolving and part of it has nothing to do with me. Okay. Well, here's something that we didn't really bring up and I want to end on this point. Uh, yes, I'm giving myself the final word. Um, (laughs) so what, I'm not going to get one. You get you get one too, Ron. What do you want to say to that? Uh, you know what? Yeah. Uh, comedy is supposed to be funny and the person who determines that is the person watching it. Okay. Um, I'll give you one of those and also one of these. (laughs) Yeah. Because kind of right, yeah, you right. know, kind of right. You know, you know what though, Ron? I'll, I'll he put tell it you, much better than I just. Yeah, let me let me tell you a hallmark of something that's not funny. <laughs> usually, usually, when somebody says, 
that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you have to say that's Dude, funny, you know what I that's hilarious. You know what I noticed something is uh, somebody uh put uh God it was a guy on SNL at a UCB show and he said uh, this hot girl said something like really fucked up. And then he was like, that's fucked up. He was like, Jason Zedekis. And he turned to her and was like, that's fucked up. She's like, what? I'm just, guys, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's something where like, I feel like people do. Like they say something shitty. Yeah. And then they realize, oh, I went too far. And they're like, what? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's kidding. just a joke. It's just a joke. It's, like, it's just a joke. Be like, no, you were just being fucking shitty until yeah. someone called you out on it. You got called out. You're just a shithead. And if you, got, if you're, if you're, if you have to say that's funny, it's a sign that it's not. Nobody has to point to a car and say, that's a car. Because you know, you see it. It's a car. Nobody has to point to food and say, there's dinner. You know it's dinner. If you have to tell people it's dinner, it probably isn't. If people come over and you have like a spread of pistachio nuts and olives and crackers, that looks like a snack. If you tell people it's dinner, it's not. People know what when they see it. And if you're saying that's funny or that's hilarious, you it's have not. to say that, yeah. And the other point I want to make, and this is something that we didn't really touch on, is that sometimes things that are comedy later on no longer become comedy. And I'll give you a perfect example because I was talking about this recently. I did, a, I did a comedy show and we talked about what type of humor goes over the line. And uh, there was a, a bunch of different people who got up and they did different comedic sketches and things like that. The classic tropes to go to if you're trying to find what the line is to go over in comedy is racism, sexism, uh, you know, misogyny, uh, pedophilia. Those are the, tr- the, t- the classic tropes. Well, this one person got up and their joke kind of didn't land because they made a bunch of Holocaust denial jokes. And when I heard that, I just got this feeling in my stomach and you could hear it in the audience too. It wasn't funny anymore. Whereas I think it would have been in the 90s or, or early 2000s, because today, in this day and age, it's too prevalent. I actually do see white nationalists, and they're getting louder and more emboldened. So when someone's making a Holocaust denial joke, it's like, are you are you actually denying the Holocaust? Because I can't tell anymore. There's too many people who actually hold that point of view today. You go on fucking Twitter, it's full of fucking, I know you're not supposed to, uh, Nazis. Oh, they're not Nazis because the Nazi party ended in the 40s. Guys, I I understand. Don't fucking condescend to me. I understand the difference between time, okay? I understand that the decades change, but the philosophy doesn't. Neo-Nazis, fine. Let's be real semantically pure here. I, I, we, we don't want to misspeak and, and, and use the wrong yeah. semantics. We're neo-Nazis. We're not your grandpa's Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't get our generation wrong. <laughs> I love that there was a meeting. Hey, guys, we can't just be Nazis. We got to put a new spin on it. What about neo-Nazis? That's great. That's great. Love yeah. that. Yeah. See, so, someone in the chat room, Anderson Helm says, 9-11 never happened. Ah, kind of funny. But uh, <laughs> because we know it did. And that's what, that's what the, the comedy fundamentally, and, and you know, this isn't like, be all catch all phrase but fundamentally one of the tenets of comedy is the juxtaposition of the absurd next to the ordinary mm. and that's what comedy comes from so when somebody says 9-11 never happened ha huh, okay he's being ridiculous because clearly it did but if somebody says the holocaust never happened you have to kind of scratch your head and be like well there's a whole bunch of people who just marched in charlottesville who actually believe that and there's, there's uh, uh iran the 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 um the spiritual, not the spiritual leader, but the spokesperson of Iran, Ahmadinejad, just even like five, ten years ago, was going on and holding conferences 
to deny the Holocaust. So when you hear that today, something that may have been funny in the 90s because it was so absurd and so ridiculous, or even in the 50s when it just happened, people are like, yeah, the fucking Holocaust just happened and we're celebrating that it's over. 50 years later is no longer funny. The only thing that I do want to say is like, as far as comedy, there's no sort of like encyclopedia encyclopedia Britannica for comedy, right? It's sort of, it's through comics, you know, of those pillars of comedy. A good example, I think, is one of the most ripped off comics of all time. And one of, if not, maybe one of the best comics ever, I think is Dave Attell, personally. Um, yeah, Dave Attell's good. And I also think he's he's definitely a comics comic in a lot of degrees as well. But it's somebody like Dave who I think is the best example who can take like the most absurdly disgusting, you know, whatever the whatever the topic is, and make that said thing funny. Yeah. And again, for myself and you know somebody like Big J Okerson, in my opinion, you know, I love Big J, but also you know he is a Dave Attell offspring to a degree. Even you could say, which I don't like her very much, Amy Schumer is also you know in the same. You know, learning from those comics past and then, you know, them kind of, you know, evolving and taking that on. So there's things like you said that may have worked back then from those sort of pillars of comedy that now I guess that's why I was bringing up that example earlier that once kind of YouTube kind of leveled the playing field, you know, of not just sort of evolving out of like, you know, Insomniac to Dave, you know, to Chappelle show to lower. Bar- Let's use the right phrase. Lowered the bar. Right. Well, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> They've pretty limboed it. Well, guys, don't forget to vote on madcastmedia.com. That's where you can vote on these debates. Also, the voicemail number is at the bottom of every page on the best debate. Call in. We'll play those voicemails. We're going to get to those in just a second. But first, we're going to do a recap of the debate from last week. The debate last week, Dustin, was who's the worst person to sit next to on a plane? What what type of person would you say off the top of your head? I mean, it just has to be like a mom, an entitled mom and like a shitty baby. Oh, a shitty baby. We didn't have either one of those. Although close, I had families. Yeah, we, we had families. Yeah, we had families. Because to them, it trumps all like I can't. You're in a, they put you in a position where you can't complain. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like the first like they're the first person who's ever had a child. Yep. That's I'm exact, a mother. That's exactly what yeah. it is. And they also have leverage to get you to move. I hate that shit. Yeah. Oh, you got a whole fucking family against me? Well, it's like the metaphor of the kid kicking your seat, and you turn around like, what the fuck? And then you're an asshole. You know, the kid starts crying, and it's like, yeah. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm like, the fucking piece of shit was kicking my yeah. chair. Yeah. Come on. Garbage. Garbage kid. Well, I <laughs> we put the debate to the audience last week, and coming in dead last was my my uh, first choice was Taylor. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, Taylor, the uh, journalist in moderation. That makes me happy that that came in last. I can't believe Taylor came in last. That's a, that's unbelievable. I imagine he'd be really annoying. I've never flown with him. but No, actually, he would probably be the most considerate person ever. That's what would annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop it. Stop being so nice. Stop it. Can I just... Can you just be an asshole for, like, a few minutes so we, we're, we're all just equally assholes and awful? Um, then, followed by armrest hogs. That was Taylor's choice. So, people, you know, who, who hogged the entire armrest... And then sick people. That was our guest, Christine Littles. But the number one oh my God. worst person right. to sit next to is airplane seat engineers. Ron. Yes. <laughs> but I guess the, people it, have it out. Well, it was more about the the people who design the airplane seats. We're having problems with the people who are in the airplane seats. My argument was that the real culprits are the assholes who designed the seat in the first place. We've gotten bigger as Americans. The seat has not gotten bigger with us. Yeah. They're the pricks. That's They're legit. the problem. That's legit. Before we move on, I should read a couple more super chats. We got one from Lori Mikola. Says the gay frogs did nine eleven, and that's for six euros and sixty six cents. I still don't know. Nice little. Can Alex somebody Jones tell us what a euro yeah. right there? Yeah. Somebody tell us what a euro cent is. A euro cent. Yeah. What is a the cent 
por- portion of a euro. What is that? This is where well, Taylor was twice here. He would, yeah, he, Taylor would, he would have the he answer even for need it to immediately. Taylor would have known. Taylor would, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then we got one from Pavich Bavin for five dollars. Says the ghost of Taylor's bladder has transferred into Maddox. Yeah, sorry, I had to take a leak earlier. It's <laughs> kind of transferred into all of us, actually. Yeah, well, yeah. this is a long episode too. Well, I'm also holding mine because I'm a man. But Same if here. Maddox needs to take a break, I didn't even say I have to pee, and I didn't even say I had. To wow, pee. damn, suck on those. Wow, it's a, it turns out this this pissing contest became literal. Um, so <laughs> we should move on to some voicemail we got a shit ton of voicemail this week listen to this we got some uh, we got some good ones um here is the first one so last week we talked about uh you know the high the highest speed roller coaster in the world goes like 150 miles an hour and i'm like yeah that's pretty fast i've only been like 120 well here's a caller who called in about that 120 miles an hour is as fast as y'all have ever been what a bunch of pussies <laughs> <laughs> that seems like I a- mean I guess we've been in planes and those have gone faster. Yeah, is that better asshole? Uh I guess we are. You're right. You're right. I'm a pussy. Yeah, well, you know who he is. I want to know, call back. What how fast have you gone? Cuz if it's like probably like 125, yeah. <laughs> fuck you. It's going to be like 200 miles an hour. Even yeah, even like 200 is what, 80 miles per hour more. You you still can't perceive that much faster like in your in a car. Wow. Uh, anyway, um, so earlier I teased this caller. He's the most British caller in the universe and you'll hear why at the end of the call. <laughs> Listen to this. Hey Maddox. Uh, I love the show. Hey Ron. How are you? Yeah, I love the show. Um, gutted that Taylor has left because I was a big fan of Taylor's. But uh, I'm sure the two of you will. I mean, you'll have guests on and stuff, so I'm sure it'll be a fan. This is a bollocks call. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and he apologized at the end too. Sorry. Use the word gutted. Yeah. Bollocks. Bollocks. <laughs> I mean, and so in proper sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It's a sorry. It's, it's a bad call. Sorry. Uh, that was a great call. <laughs> well, uh, here's you know I know we all imagine all Brits to be like that, but as a ha- having a sister who lives over there, there are a lot of them who are just really. And I go to soccer games, uh, and there are a lot of them who are super fucking angry dudes, man. Oh yeah. They say the word cunt more than their own last name. Oh They're yeah. Like I like it like because crazy. it doesn't give again. It's like Scorsese movies where like. If people are openly racist to, to each other, it like cancels. Everybody does it to each other, so it cancels it out. Yeah. So they say cunt enough that it doesn't. Not, they work like out, It feels cooler than. There's a lot of rage that gets worked out over there. Well, it's also a, a term of endearment. Like in Australia, they say, "Oh, he's a funny cunt." Oh, you know, they'll right. say, they'll yeah, say yeah, 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 yeah. People project American, like it's American centrism that they're projecting on other people. It's like, guys, be like you cunt, like in a sassy way. You know, it's yeah. like totally just joking. It's not. It's not the same. Uh, but I do have this when Lord Matthew was on. I believe the first time you were on this show, Ron, yeah, was, was Lord, Lord Matthew, Matthew. Yeah, and his buzzer was this <laughs> i like that one uh, i always love i always hate when people shit on english food they be like oh english food is terrible i'm like it's meat potatoes bread like bean, what I like the beans in the mix i too. don't understand like what there is to hate every time i go over there and i'm having like shepherd's pie it's just meat and bread i'm on fucking board hell yeah it's, their breakfast uh, look like you know, it's like eggs, but it always has like the beans, like Heinz beans, exactly. Yeah. Which uh, the, the breakfast is is a fart factory. Yeah. And you know who would work that fart factory? Paul Flart, who is in the chat room yeah. right yeah. now. Hey, Paul Flart, <laughs> <Look at laughs> <him. We're> <laughs> celebrities, that, everything. Dude. We got Paul Flart back in the chat room. Welcome back, Paul Flart, guys. Give Paul a follow on Instagram. He's blown up. His app just came out that he posted on the Google Play Store. Oh and I believe my I god, he has yeah. a fucking app. He has an app. 
He has an app. Paul is blown up. Welcome back, Paul Flart, in the chat room. Very cool. Uh, here's another voicemail. So we talked about women's fashion a while back, and uh, I personally was shitting on capris, you know? Uh-huh. We, we talked about that, and we had a caller who called in, too. But here's here's somebody defending them. Listen to this. Hey, Maddox. I am calling to call or call out that guy that called in and complained about girls wearing capris. Call or call out. Guys don't understand. They have it easy. Everything they wear has pockets. We don't get any pockets. We have to carry around these stupid purses that fall off your shoulder and they're cumbersome and they're huge. and It's just a mess. So I love my capris. I'm never going to stop wearing them because I hate purses and I like to carry around my shit. So there. <laughs> <laughs> love you guys. Yeah, Bravo. I like that. I like the shit. earnestness yeah. of that call. No, you know what? She's right. She's uh, like, there's a lot of women's pants who I don't have pockets. I felt her pain of like, for a second being a guy of like, Obviously, cargo shorts were like a big fucking thing at the time, and I just oh, like, it was just it's just made out of pockets. It's like literally just a bag, you know. It's, ba- it's a, a bag pants. It's like a pocket with holes that you put your body into, right? Exactly. And then on right. top of that are other pockets. Exactly. Now, what do you feel about women who put stuff in their bra, like their their phone and into wallet, it, keys into it? I am, but the phone thing makes me nervous because of the cancer thing. Am I crazy? What? Uh, no, that. No, Alex you're, Jones. You're, ruining, you're ruining my boner jams here, Dustin. I'm the, because the my, 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 fan, my fantasy is like when they put their phone in, right? It's going to like, their nipple's going to stick to it and they pull it out and their nipple comes out with and it. Like, yes! Yeah. This fucking stuck on nipple? That's your fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> really? There's nothing other, no other fantasy besides this. That's oh, it, Ron. Like a sweaty stuck on nipple? That's, Ron, that's is that all you got. type into like Pornhub? It's like when like... I was in Catholic school and I'd lean forward and my shirt would just stick to the back of the chair, yeah. you know? And it was just like I'd have to peel it. I'm, God, I'm doing it right now. Yeah, I don't know, man. If it, if a chick like puts her money or her wallet in her bra and then she hands it to me, I'm like, well, this is like one degree of separation, right? Right. right. Yeah, that's pretty. Good. So that's pretty just, cool, don't you think? Uh, hey, are you happy to see me, or is that just an iPhone five in your tit? <laughs> <laughs> if they hand you your fo- their phone, there's like a nipple imprint on them. You like, like that's smell cool. it. Oh no! This is getting a little weird. A little weird, Dustin. Now you're hey, the weird one. I know. Can I use your phone and make a call. No need to take it out. <laughs> Here, let me motorboat my number. <laughs> you want to use my stylus? <laughs> that was a that was a dick, right? All right. Uh, Edlin Martinez in the chat room says, "Lol, damn, Maddox has wild fantasies." Thank you. See, at least someone recognized it. And then Pavich Bavin also says, "I almost had a fart attack when I saw Paul Flart in the chat." <laughs> <laughs> and talking about English food. Too. Yeah, uh, talking about a fart attack. Well, this is a, a voicemail. We got another voicemail for you, Ron. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we talked about uh, you know baby tips, and you said you should fart on the babies for to increase their immune system. Well, here's a caller. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who has some experience. Listen to this. You know, Ron, you were on the right track with the whole farting on your baby to boost its immune system, but you're kind of a little bit off. What my dad did when I was a baby is he would come into my crib, he'd like uh, squat on me, and he'd take a big shit on my face. And now I can actually like bench, bench press like a fucking whole entire house, bro. All this strength has made me invincible. So you better watch out because I'm coming for you, boy. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. Right. Makes He's sense. like the toxic Avenger of shit. Yeah. I gave him like superpowers. Yeah. That escalated quickly. Yeah. By oh, extension, wow. if you fart, you know, taking a shit is the next logical step. You're going to make your kid a superhero. Um, <laughs> Does that we, happen on the planes too? If like you thought the worst person next to you was the fart person, but they were actually like, they're farting the whole fight, you know, but they actually made you stronger. One of the best things, uh, one of my superpowers that I have is I have an awful sense of smell. There's so much that you smell that I can't smell. Really? So lucky. It lucky. is. It is. 
because yeah because there's a lot of worse smells my girlfriend always makes fun of me whenever like we're walking down the street and there's a flower I'll, I'll fucking stop and smell the flower but i have to put like my entire head into the flower like my nose has to go all the way down and so i'm just putting this whole thing in because otherwise i can't smell shit so to smell a fart you would have to like so yeah so when i smell a fart it's pretty fucking you gotta bad. get up in that b-hole huh? i mean if i had a, if i had a <laughs> schnauzer like this i mean i'd smell everything oh i do buddy i i got one of the first live streams i ever did on youtube the first comment was like Hey, Maddox, does your nose get wet when you drink? <laughs> you know, one of the best burns I ever got was I was making fun of girls. Uh, for I was joking with a bunch of 20-year-old girls about uh, one of them looked 30. And somebody commented, um, Ron's like 40 and doesn't even have hair. Or no, Ron, Ron's like 40 and still has acne. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh and I got that comment like 10 years ago. Oh, that's, that's that cuts. Like, Fuck. People know, they know. Days ago. Yeah. yeah, they just know how to key into yeah, it, like do, insecurities yeah. immediately. Sure. Uh, well, we got a uh, voicemail about some stereotypes about Minnesotans. Uh, and I would argue that it ends with a Minnesotan stereotype. Listen to this. Hey, guys. Long time fan of the show. I was... um listening to your best debate about female fashion trends. And I would just like to say that I've lived in Minnesota my whole life, and I don't know a single person that says duck, duck, gray duck. And I don't know a single person on earth anywhere that says bag. <laughs> it's bag. You put your clothes in a bag, not a bag. <laughs> so, Taylor Nikolai, uh, I haven't had hot dish in years. I hate the Vikings. And I'm not a big fan of hockey. So take your little Minnesotan stereotypes and you know where to shove them. Okay? In your Love beer. you guys. <laughs> Fuck whales. <laughs> Do you know what uh, Taylor's favorite movie is? What's that? Oh, it's that Tom Hanks vehicle. Big. Oh, is it? Is it? Uh, it, it what's it called? Is it? Big. Bi- Wait, what's it really called? Big. Big? I big. don't even know. <laughs> it's the fucking movie Big, where he goes big? back to be a kid. It's called, oh, Big. Oh, Big. big. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Dude, Maddox, I totally thought you were joking. Yeah. Like, no. Oh, there goes Maddox trolling me. Yeah, I know. Man. Exactly. That's comedy. Speaking of trolling, Taylor Nikolai in the chat room says, the Minnesota caller is a troll. I don't think so, Taylor. <laughs> I don't think so. I think he caught your number. But it was funny. At the very end, he's like, why don't you take your opinions and you know where to shove them? <laughs> I, I got to tell you, Minnesota's a delightful city to visit that's yeah. what i've heard yeah oh no i've been to minnesota it's very cold i went there in the winter um Friends. we got we got another voicemail ron i think you'll appreciate this one it's a tip on how to keep keep your car clean oh, i love tips yeah i love i live for tips it's something i personally have done in the past so let's put your tips in from my houston hand. here maddox <laughs> a good tip for keeping your car clean whenever you're filling it up with gas go through and pick up all the trash or even better if you got kids have them do it later Dude. hey on point. Smart, That's right? what I say to every person who says, I don't have time to clean my car. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing when you fill up with gas? Yeah. Are you actually watching the little TV yeah, yeah, yeah. there? No, you just go through. You take. There's a trash can right there. Just like, because otherwise you just drive around in garbage. Right. Just take at, a handful. At some point, it's just like, I'm not the weird one. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want you to drive around a car not full of garbage. Right. Also, that's just dangerous. If you ever get in a uh, an accident, all that stuff flies up. Well, the other thing, too, that drives me fucking crazy, if you're going to have a dirty car, just commit to it. Don't do the, 
oh, hey, can I get a ride? You ask somebody for the ride, and right before you get in the car, it's like, yeah, I'll give you a ride, but just so you know, my car's really, really dirty. Yeah. It's like always they do that all the time, and I'm like, just shut the fuck up. Either commit to the dirtiness of the car. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I, I would have more respect for someone like, yeah, it's a dirty car. Do you want a car? Do you want the ride or not? Exactly. It's my car. I do what I want. Right. Yeah. But most people okay. are so, always self-conscious if they say, about- If they say, like, oh, I have a really dirty car, they know that it's wrong, and then they're just choosing not to do anything about right. it, which I have more works. respect mm-hmm. for the person who's like, yeah, it's a dirty car, man. You need the ride. You want it or yeah, not? Yeah. You want it or not? I like it. that. You can I, go fuck yourself if you don't. I was, yeah. I find that that uh, guys underestimate how dirty their cars are, and girls always overestimate. Always. Every time I get in a girl's car, it's spotless. She goes, oh my God, it's so, it's so dirty. dirty. I love doing that. I mean, I drive an old car. I drive a cool car, and it's like, I love when people get in, like, your car's so clean. I'm like, oh, it's so dirty right now. <laughs> and I, <laughs> just because it makes people feel even their cleanliness hipster uh we got one last voicemail so i talked about uh, lemon party you've seen lemon party dustin no no oh check it out lemonparty.org um All right. or or not <laughs> don't don't, don't, don't. Right. i was gonna clean my car but no, no the, don't check it while you're cleaning the car next right. yeah why don't you uh, next time you have like uh yogurt for lunch why don't you check out lemonparty.org oh, yeah. i also told a story last week about a kid who wanted a lemon cookie on a flight but anyway here's a voicemail about that listen to this Hey, Lord Man, it's me. Uh, last week, you talked about the lemon party, and this week, you mentioned a lemon cookie. I'm on you, man. Fuck yeah. whales. So there you go, Dustin. Get yourself a lemon cookie and go to Lemon Party. Check it out. Check it out. All right. I think you'll uh, do that. We'll, uh, I report. drink a lot of lemon water. I'm a big fan <laughs> of lemon water. Hey, man, I'm a... You know what? Uh, we Our neighbors have a, a lemon tree. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty tight. But like, it's it's kind of like one of those things where it's like it's part of the same complex, but it's definitely not on our property. But sometimes we're out of lemons, and then then we got to get a little fucking stealthy. Sounds like uh, sounds like Ron's gonna have a lemon party soon. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have lemon parties all the time. Do you really? Yeah. It seems like it sounds like he's been doing it for a while. It's I love doing things that make you. I love doing things that. You're not doing anything wrong, but you feel like you're fucking James Bond at the moment. Yeah. Like I used to have, uh, I used to compost uh, in Hollywood. I just throw my fucking banana peels in like this little compost bin. And once a week, I would have to go across the street to my neighbor's compost bin and empty it out in there. Yeah. We didn't have one in my apartment complex. Right. And for whatever, every time I was like looking around, yeah. making sure nobody's watching me, oh, popping it open and pouring it in, like closing it and leaving. Ooh, and that yeah. feeling when you're walking I just, away. And it was like it. the most, yeah. for some reason, it felt high stakes, even though if they came home. They'd be like, well, hey, what do you, I'm like, yeah, I don't have one. Is this cool? They'd be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, nobody would give a shit. I, yeah, I did that one time and I got caught. I was like putting recyclables in my neighbor's recycle bin thing because mine was full and I, and they came outside and they were like staring at me. I'm like, yeah, my, mine's full. Is this okay? They're like, yeah. But they said it in a way that didn't sound like it. They were but, really it's, it's, but it gives you, there's, I love doing shit like that. But like, yeah. like sneaking into the movies. Yeah. Oh my God. Ooh. You want to feel alive with your lady, just sneak into the movies and then neck. Did, <laughs> you, know, you know, a lady's going to have a huge lady boner when you sneak her into a movie. <laughs> it makes better on. Tell you, it's like stag to, party pretty soon. You know, try and sneak into sh- like a, 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 a fi- oh man, try and sneak into an amusement park. That's just fucking hard. Ooh. Can you uh, do that? Yes. Absolutely. You are really good at that shit. Yeah. And you know who else is? Uh, he's been on the show, I think it was. Do you twice. talk about that a lot? Mike, Mike on, Capes. On the... Not a lot. No, not a lot. But I am. I am a lot of people don't know this about Maddox. Maddox is very good at sneaking into things Everything. without an invitation. That's it's absolutely fucking correct. crazy. And I prefer to go to things without an invitation. If I have an invitation, I'm disappointed. But the amount of stuff that you've gotten in that you've showed me and the ways that you've gotten in, yeah. you should sometime talk about. I, th- I think about that all the time and people have encouraged me to write books. It's, it's going to ruin it. Yeah. But That's the thing. It it'll ruin like, it. 
like the w- things you've done have I- I've always been like, oh, yes, I've never really thought of that. Yeah. And some of it's like super simple. Yeah, yeah, it's super simple. Well, anyway, guys, we should get to some quick news headlines. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> this has been a long show, long episode. First known omnivorous shark species has been identified. Huh. How about that? An omnivorous shark species. What is that? They eat everything? They eat, yeah, they eat plants. The findings published in the so proceedings... So they eat some kelp once in a while? Yeah, it's like seaweed and shit. Okay. It says the findings published in the proceedings of the Royal Society B. <laughs> the Royal Society B. Oh, man. Not as good as the Royal Society A. Yeah. Uh, overturned the idea that all sharks are exclusive meat eaters. But that's not all. This has implications for fragile and crucial seagrass meadow habitat management, says Samantha Lay, a researcher on the team. From now on, researchers who look after such habitats will have to factor in that bonnethead sharks not only eat plants, but can make seagrass as much as 60% of their diet. The vegetarian diet, however also consisted of 100% of their dinner conversations because they can't shut the fuck up about them. <laughs> These fucking sharks. Just vegan sharks. Yeah. I feel like they're shitting on sharks for being sharks. You know? They're, yeah. Yeah, sharks are eating grass now. Oh, like, some sharks are vegetarian. Like whale sharks don't, you know what I mean? I felt like they were pretty, like it's like kelp. and. Uh, they, are they the like the mega mouth the sharks? The big ones, yeah. And you see yeah. people swimming with them all are, the time and yeah. other fishes like riding, you know. Are whales, are whales on the voice? Whales are no, they're 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 vegetarians. Mm. I believe whales are vegetarians. I believe so. Yeah, that's no. why I fucking hate them. They're so annoying. They can't shut up. No, they got fucking. <laughs> Fuck whales. They eat fish. Whales mouth they is, don't eat fish. Yeah, but accidentally they, they, count, they yeah, open their mouth and there's shit that flies. Yeah, in. but fucking vegetarians eat bugs. I saw Finding Nemo. They eat fish. Whales eat fish. Yeah, Do whales eat fish. Finding Nemo. They eat dory. Someone in the get, chat room got some call call in clown fish. Shit. If anyone in the chat room is from Minnesota and is quick at googling. <laughs> Post, post us this fact checked, but we should move on to the next story. The world's oldest living married couple share their secret to 80 years of marriage. Fuck it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird, really weird, Ron. You read the story, it says we just fuck every day. Uh, <laughs> Anal. Anal. <laughs> this shit writes itself. Anal keeps it fresh. Yeah. Uh, Masao and Miyako Matsumoto are the oldest living husband and wife, and they've been married for over 80 years. Barf. Uh, <laughs> that was awful. Right. Did they literally try any other food at the buffet before they chose this dish? You know? I hate titles. It's just like the fact that they didn't kill themselves is an accomplishment. Yeah. Oh, and get this bullshit. Listen to this. The key to their 80 plus years of wedded bliss, Miyako attributes it to patience. What a fucking backhanded thing. It's like, yeah, my husband really tries my patience a lot and I just stick it out. She basically just said marriage fucking sucks. Marriage fucking sucks. But I just stuck with it. You got to be patient. You got to tolerate the bullshit. Well, I, I think that's, that's, I mean, I I do think that is in a way true. That is absolutely true. I do think marriage for a lot of, it's not all bliss from what I've heard from every person ever got married. <laughs> ever, yeah. yeah. And the successful marriages are the ones where they just stuck with it. Yeah. My and, parents- you know, I would say some of the probably unsuccessful ones are ones that where they stuck with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I, uh, I had a, I had this argument with a friend a long time ago. I was making an anti-marriage argument. And I said, well, it's not, it's something that, uh, you know, it's it's it feels like you're introducing government into a relationship. And yeah, Doug you- Stanhope has a great joke about that. You and me, baby, we got something special. Let's get the government involved. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. By the way, talking about one of the best. Yeah. He's one of the best. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it seems like a kind of crass thing. And my friend was arguing and was like, well, you know, haven't you ever been in a relationship where it's about to end and you guys decide to stick it out and you're so glad you did because you worked things out and you work? I'm like, yeah, of course. But none of those have, first of all, none of those last. And also, if if you are in a relationship like that, you don't want 
the threat of the agony of divorce to be the only reason you're continuing this horrible relationship. It's like going for, it's like, ba- you know, filing for bankruptcy. Yeah. You know, it's just like. Oh, by the way, Stan Morris in the chat room said, uh, whales definitely eat fish. So. Stan. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure they eat fish. Yeah. He says like, they eat thousands of stupid smaller fish. Yeah. Well, the kelp, or uh, not kelp, on um, the, you know, the tiny little bit. I was, I've watched Planet. I've watched Blue Planet. Planet I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> krill, krill, krill. They eat krill. Oh, that's right. But kr- krill isn't fish, is it? It's yeah, like it's algae, fucking, isn't it? No, krill isn't a, 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 a living organism. Is They're krill like a tiny alive? little shrimp. Is that what krill is? Yeah. Fuck krill. I know. <laughs> I'm allergic to that. Shit. You know what I wish whales would eat themselves? Where's my triggered? <laughs> you really enjoyed your own joke. <laughs> Hey, is that comedy? I know. <laughs> if, you own, if you th- hey, throw your own laugh track. Sorry, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought you meant that's funny. Oh, man. All right. Oh, shit, shit. all over that one. Uh, one last story here. Cambodian Reptile Cafe slithers into people's hearts. Oh, this fucking hit. This is copy. This is the actual copy from AFP. It says, for anyone terrified of an albino python, an orange corn snake, or a scaly bearded iguana, Che Rady, Che Rady, this is in Indonesia, of course, says, getting up close and personal at Phnom Phen's first reptile-themed cafe is the only remedy. Oh, really? Is that the only remedy? Hmm, lies. Taking, <laughs> taking off from the cat cafes already popular in the Cambodian capital, Che Rady launched his business to, I thought this was a chick, to revamp the skin-crawling reputation of lizards and snakes and convince haters that they are simply misunderstood. This sounds like the copy for, like, a local news story. Yeah, exactly. It's like a local Cambodian news story. As customers sip on their lattes and hang out with the reptiles, quote, they will love them like I do, says the 32-year-old to AFP while stroking the scaly neck waddle of an iguana. Well, it's like cat cafes are really popular in Japan, right? Yeah. I feel like I have, have so many. a few dog cafes here in LA. Right. You know why? You know, took it a step further. You know why cat and dog cafes are more popular than iguana cafes? is because cats don't have scaly waddles. Do you know, what, <laughs> do you know what's uh, bullshit about the dog cafes, though? Is I was talking, we, um, um, my girlfriend and I adopted a dog from a shelter because like we're like super woke. And no, but the guy who was, he's like, yeah, he's like, those dog cafes are right. But every week they come in, they just take like the cutest dogs from the shelter and they bring them to the dog cafe. And then you go to the dog cafe and like all of a sudden, instead of getting your dog for like 50 bucks, you're paying like four or $500 for your dog. You so can, they just raid the shelter. Anybody can adopt from a shelter. They just take the cutest ones from the shelter and they market up the price and then they sell them at the dog they cafe. They sell them at the dog cafe. That's I mean, a yeah, they go through like business. You know, like they, you know, go put them. I, I mean, they. I think they, you know, put them through the health check and you know, fix stuff that needs to be fixed. There's a lot of dogs at the shelter. You're buying a dog who has like a lot of fucking problems. You know, um, like my dog is made of hernias. So you know, you're just buying a project. But yeah. like, it's. But yeah, I was like motherfuckers. Everyone was like, oh, the dog cafe is doing such good work. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah, I guess. Also, I don't want to. I don't want to drink. Like, if if somebody told me there was this cafe and there was a bunch of dogs in there, I wouldn't go there. It doesn't sound clean. It sounds like it's gonna smell. And I don't want to drink my coffee. Here's in it. your soup, sir. Yeah, here's your soup. Well, there was a dog bar in Brooklyn where you're allowed to have dust. Everybody brings their dog there. That was like where I'm drinking alcohol compared to like coffee. I feel yeah. like oh, I have a little dog. Yeah. You know. What I kind of like the idea though is, is if the dog bar has a bartender who's like, "What are you having? Uh, like, you mean a, a, a bark tender? Yeah, yeah. Now that's funny. Yeah, that's common. Oh, I've done. By the way, I've done like numerous stand-up shows where an audience member just out loud will go, "That's funny," oh. and it is the fuck because you're like I. 
I just I have notes on how you're being supportive. You know, it's just yeah. such a weird thing. Yeah. But it, anything you do at a comedy show that puts the emphasis on you rather than the performer, I fucking hate. It drives it. me that's crazy. A dick move. Just yeah, like yeah. just fucking enjoy the show. It doesn't have yeah. to be about you for this ha- five yeah. ten minutes. Well, that's people's problem. They, they just can't. I think that's even what. Not to get all into it, but that's part of you know our conversation that audiences are so entitled to their opinion now that if it's like. If they don't enjoy it in the moment, instead of getting up and leaving, but it's like it's like, like we if somebody in the middle of a movie just stood up and started shitting on the movie, right? Everybody would be like, "Hey, man, what are you doing?" Like we all paid to see this movie, but somehow at a stand up club, it's like, "Oh, well, I just you know, it's like it's okay," and I never fucking got that. I need attention. I I was it's uh, like, you can have an opinion, but like there's a show going on, express it afterwards. Go to blog the performer about it, yeah. or the manager or blah, 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 like right in the middle of the in the middle of the movie, yeah. like just no, no one other people cares. are and at least get to the end. I'm just saying, if you're gonna make that judge. Call, especially if it's like a couple jokes in or what you know, oh. like at least like let the thing finish. Oh yeah, I hate because, it. especially if a comic's doing something. Where I remember one comic was called out for doing like a racist joke, and the girl just heard the word like one word, and and the whole joke from the beginning was a, like an anti-racist joke, and he was trying to explain. It was that a, a fucking open mic. It was another comic, and he was trying to explain to them like, no, it, it's it's against racism, and, and, and then. Yeah just wouldn't let him get through it and i'm like god damn it people are so quick to just get they're fired up about so, everything yeah they're so quick i was at a i was at a show one time where um a, an improviser a performer on stage was doing a bit and um did a callback and someone from the audience just goes huh nice callback oh like yeah we get it bro you get just, comedy structure right just fucking shut up what's well, like yeah. wrestling it's kind of what's happening with comedy because there's so many you know so many specials and so many things out there it's become like we're, what happened to professional wrestling where the mark you know the fan became so you know in inside baseball to a degree that it yeah. kind of changed the medium you know what i mean and it's kind of that seems like partially kind of what's happening now is like the fan is like too educated oh yeah the, when the fans get involved that's like when the art is over right, you, right. this is no longer like you, you're supposed to have a performer and then the audience and if the audience is the performer or or, or the performance like the room was fun to watch when i would go to the i've seen the room probably like 20 30 times in theaters and it was fun for the for a while but it got to a point where literally you cannot hear a single fucking thing in the movie anymore because everyone's everyone just shouting out all the lines and talking throughout the whole thing it's like well i'm no longer this is no longer equal parts movie and audience it's almost 90 percent audience and the movie can be on or not mm-hmm. yeah, i fucking love well, the it. experience changes you know it, it's fun but like there there is there's definitely gotten to a tipping point where you can't bring new people to the room because they don't understand they can't even hear the movie enough to understand what the jokes yeah, are. well it, you're talking about the westwood screening yeah well yeah, i mean that one's pretty like it's nuts yeah yeah i, I agree I, I've I don't, seen it I there a bunch, but like there's like yeah, I, I I do love the room, man. Yeah, uh, it's fun. It's a fun. It's a fun movie, and I highly recommend. It. Go to a smaller city if you do, if you mm-hmm. do. Don't go to in New York or L.A. or anything like that. Anyway, Dustin, where I, can I people... disagree. I say go to the one in L.A. It's fucking really? awesome. Yeah, if you've seen it before, so at least you know what. Yeah, what to I guess the f- yeah, yeah, maybe okay. Yeah, I wouldn't take like a first time person to like it, it's overwhelming. They're like, well, what's what's the joke? What do they say? Why is why is she fat? Like why <laughs> like, they that happened to me look... once with somebody who didn't really know comedy, and I like. I was like, oh, you'd love Bill Burr. And it was the video of like the epidemic of gold digging whores. Jesus. Yeah, wasn't the right, wasn't the right yeah, one to start yeah. with. You got to prep them. Dustin, where can people find you? Oh, uh, sus bomb on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter, mostly on Instagram. Uh, 
maybe at some point, you know, I'll be uh, launching a new video uh, podcast soon. That's right. We talked about this a little bit. Yeah, I'm super excited. Comic Routines, yeah. So you might uh, be helping me out a little bit with that. So where's What's the best place to follow you so we know more about where the movie's yeah, going to be? Yeah, uh, Sussbomb. Sussbomb. And then you can also follow uh, the, the actual movie. It's Chrome Doc uh, on Instagram, C-R-O-M uh, Doc. And also, uh, O-Rick is also on Facebook. We're also on Facebook. O-Rick with an exclamation mark. Correct. And, yeah. And so... The what's the name of the podcast that's coming out? Oh, it's going to be called uh, it's called Comic Routines. Comic Routines. Check it out, and it's Sus Bomb on everything, right? So Correct. Twitter, Instagram. Yep, yep. Give them a follow, guys. Thank no, you again, thank you, Dustin, Maddox. for joining the show. S U S S B O M B. That is correct. Sus Bomb. Correct. And before we we wrap this up, we got one last super chat at the buzzer from Laurie McCullough. Laurie, thank you so much for the support for six euros and sixty six cents. By the way, they said it's euro euros. Oh, euros. Yeah. So fuck you guys. I was right. Euros. Okay. Six six euros and sixty six. Euro cents. Uh, it says try again in the middle of the show. Thank you, Lord. 56 gyro cents? Euro? Yeah! <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> on fire. Well, thank you again, Dustin, for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you to the rear admiral of Tangents, Ron Babcock. Thank you. You're welcome. But most of all, you're welcome. <laughs> I fucked you up! <laughs> I went to Lemon Party after last week's episode. Uh, you know, I haven't been there in a while. Figure, uh, what those old dudes looked like sucking each other's dicks again. But I was disappointed to find that uh, Lemon Party now redirects to uh, some whack-ass website called Wank From Home. It's the end of an era. Bad yeah. times. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, oh, sorry, Dustin. You just got a spoiler. You know what lemon party is? Yeah, I'm kind of bummed now. I was yeah. Imagine my face when. All right, I'm glad I didn't have to go. I appreciate that. Well, you should still check it out. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing after this? Report back. Yeah. Hey there! Don't forget to subscribe to Madcast shows on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Okay, bye. Madcast Media Network. <laughs> <laughs>